Welcome to the Liberty NZ Breakfast with Grant Edwards. You'll see this tendency for women to, and I hear older women talk about this too. I just want to do something for myself. And it's funny because when men do selfless things, they're a lot less narcissistic with it and they don't look at it as a burden. They look at it as a duty. Where when women tend to do things like for the family, they look at it as a detriment. They hold resentment to the people that hold back their decision. Uh, We were conquered by the Romans. We were conquered by the Byzantines. They did a lot of bad things to us, but they didn't really exile us, contrary to what people think, okay? The ones, uh, the the loss of our land actually occurred when the Arab conquest took place in the 7th century. The Arabs burst out from Arabia, and they did something that no other conqueror, not the Romans, not the Byzantines, not the Greeks before them, not Alexander the Great, nobody did before. They actually started taking over the land of the Jewish farmer. They brought in military colonies that took over the land. And gradually over the next two centuries, the Jews became a minority in our land. So it is under the Arab conquest that the Jews lost their homeland. The Arabs were the colonials. The Jews were the natives dispossessed. I read recently, I think it was some TikTok thing I saw, but it was uh, an old business guy. And he was saying, you know, the real definition of success in life is not money or material things or anything like that. The real definition of success is if you're a father and your kids, when they become adults and therefore can make their own decisions, choose to hang out with you because they want to hang out with you. And that's the ultimate definition of success. What do you think of that theory? Oh, yeah, that, that's, that's right. I mean, I would say I feel that acutely. I would say my wife feels that even more acutely. Like, she's so thrilled if her kids want to hang out with her, if they want to do, you know, committed things with her that she can hardly stand it. And I mean, this is also one of the great advantages of having a family. People just don't understand this. There isn't anything more important that you will have in your life than your kids, period. There is no scenario in the heads of the Palestinian Authority or of Hamas in which one Jew is allowed to live in the Palestinian state. So if from the river to the sea, a Palestinian state is created, it will mean either the eradication of all Jews in Israel or the displacement of all Jews in Israel, which means carting out every Jew from their historic homeland and either killing them or sending them somewhere else. And that would be done in the name of being anti-Nazi. Trump or Biden? Biden. Biden? Why? (laughs) Because Trump sucks. He's an idiot. You don't like Trump? Not at all. What are some of the reasons? Uh, because he's a traitor to the country. How, how so? He's a, liar. he's a cheater. <laughs> because he's, he's sold out the country to uh, Russia. Uh, no, he didn't. Man, the media. You know, we all say on the right that the media, their day is done. Well, obviously have an impact on people like that. Replay of this hour. Go to episodes at TNTradio.live. Now, TNT Radio News. For TNT Radio News, this is James O'Neill. Hunter Biden is willing to testify before the House Oversight Committee on December 13th, as lawyers said Tuesday, but only in a public hearing. Hunter Biden would be a key witness in the House's impeachment inquiry into President Joe Biden pending the committee's approval. Abby Lowell, Hunter Biden's lawyer said his client would only be willing to testify in a public setting, but not behind closed doors as the committee asked. 
House Oversight Committee Chair James Comer replied to Lowell via X Tuesday morning, writing, Hunter Biden is trying to play by his own rules instead of following the rules required of everyone else. That won't stand with House Republicans. Our lawfully issued subpoena to Hunter Biden requires him to appear for a deposition on December 13th. We expect full cooperation with our subpoena for a deposition, but also agree that Hunter Biden should have opportunity to testify in a public setting at a future date. House Republicans subpoenaed both Hunter and James Biden in their probe with the president. James Biden is reportedly in communication with the committee about the subpoena. A truce between Israel and Hamas entered its fifth day on Tuesday, with the terrorist group promising to release more hostages to delay the expected resumption of the war, and Israel under growing pressure to spare Palestinian civilians when it renews its offensive. The sides agreed to extend their truce through Wednesday, with another two planned exchanges of terrorist-held hostages for Palestinians imprisoned by Israel. But Israel has repeatedly vowed to resume the war with full force to destroy Hamas once it's clear that no more hostages will be freed under the current agreement's terms. U.S. Secretary of State Antony Blinken is set to visit the region later this week for the third time since the start of the war and is expected to press for an extension of the truce and the release of more hostages. South Korea's defense ministry said on Monday that North Korea had begun rebuilding guard posts and deploying firearms along the border as tensions rise following the North's recent spy satellite launch. The ministry said it detected movements indicating the reconstruction of North Korean guard posts on November 24th, just a day after Pyongyang vowed to restore all military measures previously halted under a 2018 inter-Korean accord. South Korean defense officials disclosed photographs depicting North Korean troops installing guard posts equipped with what appear to be recoilless guns along the border. The commissioner of the Metropolitan Police, Sir Mark Rowley, has said many of his firearms officers would rather face off with terrorists than gangsters because they believe they're more likely to get a fair hearing if they end up using their weapons. In an interview with The Sun, Sir Mark said, one thing that's really startled me is I've had some of our firearms officers say to me they would rather end up confronting on the streets a well-trained terrorist than a gangster, because even though they would face far more personal danger with the terrorists, they believe they'd get a fair hearing in terms of the legal processes that follow. Whereas with a gangster, they feel that campaign groups can influence accountability in a way that leads to something that's unbalanced and lasts forever. The head of Britain's biggest police force was speaking as one of his firearms officers faces trial next year for the murder of Chris Caba, a 24-year-old black man who was shot dead as he drove an Audi in Streatham, South London, in September of 2022. GOP presidential candidate Ron DeSantis discussed how he would handle the border crisis on the Ingram angle. But we also have to understand, why do you have sex trafficking? Why do you have human trafficking at this level? It's because the Mexican drug cartels are running the show. So we're going to categorize them as a foreign terrorist organization, authorize the use of deadly military force because they are invading our country. Yeah. They are committing all these serious crimes, but they're killing tens of thousands of our citizens by no, bringing fentanyl. Just... And that's going to every community in the country. It's not just border communities. And I've met so many angel moms over the course of the last year, year and a half who've lost a child, usually a high school or college age kid, uh, to a drug, a drug basically being poisoned. Yeah, they may take a pill that's laced with fentanyl, yeah. and then that's it, and they die. We've got to stop this. For great-looking T-shirts, hoodies, and sweatshirts, the TNT Shop is now open at TNTRadio.live.
With your help, we can continue to fight for freedom, reach new audiences, and bring important information to the public free of charge. This is not possible without your generosity. Join our quest for the truth and our freedom and donate today. Simply go to tntradio.live. Okay, we're here. Gosh, that was a quick ending, wasn't it? It's five minutes past six. Good morning, everybody. Hope you're having a wonderful day. Uh, I've just had a call from a friend up in Northland. He said it's raining here. Okay, well, that's not so good. The weather has just changed awfully quickly all of a sudden uh, an hour ago it was uh, over 20 degrees I can't remember where it was but it was 20 degrees somewhere now it's dropped Nelson is the highest 15.8 degrees the lowest is in Alexandra Alexandra has 1.8 degrees and uh, the windiest place to be is Castle Point 41 kilometres per hour of wind there and the wettest place right now is Blenheim with 3.2 millimetres of rain let's move across to weatherwatch.co.nz and we'll have a look at the situation here with the weather Um, yes we've got a southwesterly airflow and it eases over the country today uh, with fronts clearing away to this northeast apparently high pressure in the Tasman Sea starts to move in that's nice could be good for the weekend for Northland Auckland Waikato the Bay of Plenty cloudy areas a few showers move on to Waikato today Auckland and perhaps the Bay of Plenty in the morning clearing in the afternoon with sunny areas increasing southwesterly winds and a height of, of a high of 19 to 23 degrees for the western North Island, including the central North Island, showers clearing during the afternoon as winds tend southeasterly. Uh, sunny areas developing over the uh, showers, as rather after the showers clear, and uh, more so in the west, staying cloudier towards the eastern ranges. 15 to 18 degrees for you. For the western North Island, rain in the Wairarapa, it's going to spread north in the morning with the southerly change clearing from the south late afternoon into the evening. 16 to 21 for you. Uh, up in Wellington, you have uh, showers easing, clearing in the afternoon. A few sunny spells break through, though. Uh, south to south easterly winds die out later in the day, 14 to 16 degrees. For Marlborough and Nelson, morning rain or showers easing in the afternoon, clearing by evening. Southeasterlies tending easterly in the afternoon for Marlborough with light winds tending northerly for Nelson, 14 to 17 degrees. For Canterbury, showers clearing from the south during the morning, sunny spells start to break through in the afternoon. Southwesterly winds swing around to the northeast in the evening, and you've got a highs today of 14 to 21 degrees. For the west coast, sunny for Fiordland, and you've got southerlies. Cloudy spells further north with a few showers. Light winds tending north to northwest in the afternoon. 17 to 19 degrees for you. And finally for Southland, Otago. Morning showers clearing in uh, Southland and coastal Otago. And then sunny spells increase. Uh, you've got um, sunny in the morning in central Otago. South to southwesterly winds fresh about the coast. And your temperature today is 12 to 19 degrees. This biomedical industrial complex is going to make huge profits off yet another vaccine and the associated drugs. So it's a business model. It's a business model for media. That's why the fear porn, it drives clicks. At the CPAC conference in Dallas, Texas, I sat down with mRNA vaccine pioneer, Dr. Robert Malone, this time to discuss the strange events and policies surrounding the monkeypox outbreak. In many of our leaders, to my eye, they've kind of given up on the idea of the American nation state and the logic of independent nation states in general. And they bought into the logic that there should be a one world government largely unelected. 
Dr. Malone popularized the concept of mass formation earlier this year. But this is just one of the many aspects of human psychology playing into our current societal moment. We tackle the concept of groupthink, the role it has played, and how to avoid it in the future. This is American Thought Leaders, and I'm Yanya Kelly. And you can find the link to that video, that's the teaser for it, over at Epoch Times. And I was reading that from Epoch Health, and I thought we'll grab that. We'll put that on the radio program this morning. You can have a listen to it. Dr. Robert Malone, and also sent off an email this morning to uh, Dr. Sam and and Mark Bailey uh, about the monkeypox scare. And we might touch on that a little bit later on. But before then, let's uh, have a look and see what's happening in on this day in New Zealand history. Uh, so if you're having a birthday today, the 29th of November, happy birthday to you. Uh, but on this day in 1877, the Education Act was passed into law and it established free, compulsory and secular education for all British children here in New Zealand and also married children. But they weren't forced to attend. They could attend if they want to. If their parents wanted them to, they could. In 1893, on this day, the first woman mayor in the British Empire was elected by becoming the mayor of Onehunga in Auckland, Elizabeth Yates. She struck another blow for women's rights in local body polls held the day after the first general election in which women could vote. I don't know why they'd say struck a blow. That sort of sounds like it's a bad thing, but I think they mean it's a good thing. <laughs> but I don't know. When I first read it, I thought, struck a blow doesn't sound like the right sort of language. Never mind. In 1949, the first female Maori MP was elected. Her name was Iriaka Ratana. She was elected as New Zealand's first female Maori Member of Parliament. And let's just zoom in on her and find out a wee bit more. So that was in 1948 on this day. Uh, she was the first female. Uh, yep. Now, she, she won the Western Maori vote by a margin of 5,871 votes. Uh, when she was in her late teens, Iriaka's family visited a sick aunt at the home of Tuhupotiki Wirimu Ratana, the leader of the Ratna movement and a faith healer, apparently, as well. Although her family returned home, Iriaka stayed to become a member of the Hakapoi and the Waiata troops that travelled with Ratna. Iriaka later married him. This is the man, the faith-healing man. After his death in 1939, she married his son, Matiu Tuhupoktiki, Rimu Ratana, and Iriaki and Matiu, they moved to a farm in Wangahu, where their young family, with the young family, I should say, Matue became a member of Parliament for the Western Maori in 1945, but he died in a car accident four years later. Iriaka contested the seat, not simply as her, the wife of the former MP, but as a powerful figure in her own right. She was a strong figure in the Ratna movement, which held all the Maori seats at the time. Uh, such was her mana, which means, uh, translated would mean um, her her respect, uh, she had such respect within Labour, uh, sorry, when Labour, she had a lot of respect within the Maori community, but when Labour, which had been in an alliance with the Ratna since the 1930s, put forward a non-Ratna candidate, she threatened to run as a Ratna independent and Labour backed down. Iriaka Ratna's nomination and election were not without controversy within Maori society. Tainui leader Te Puia Hirangi had earlier declined to stand for Parliament on the grounds that no woman should captain the Tainui Waka, and Waka is boat, so the Wainui boat. Very strange, isn't it? Strange terminology, and I think Winston Peters, (laughs) 
<laughs> he said that yesterday when he was talking about Waka Kotari, which is New Zealand transport. He said, when have you seen a Waka you know, going down the road? A boat. Uh, Iriaka's national opponent, uh, Hohiroa Marumaru, uh, said that forcing a woman into a man's position would be a break with the Tainui Protocol. Despite these criticisms, Iriaka Ratna won election by a wide margin and held Western Māori for 20 years until her retirement in 1969. As a Member of Parliament, she focused entirely, or mainly rather, on social issues, issues such as housing for the elderly and recent the recent urbanisation of Māori youth, education and training for Māori, and the development of the Ratna Pā. And that is Iria, yes, Iria, what's her name? I've gosh, forgotten it already. Where is it? Where is it? Where has she gone? Disappeared altogether. I just want to make sure I've got her. Yeah, it's Iriaka. I just wanted to make sure I've been pronouncing it correctly. Okay, so when I come back, we're going to go over to the Epoch Times. And um, we'll just have a, a bit of a look there at this new thing, the monkeypox thing, and see what that's a made of. I'll be right back. I've heard you in other interviews talk about the trap that Hamas has laid for Israel. Israel's response obviously has been forceful, uh, but there are now thousands dead on in Gaza on that side. What do you mean when you talk about the trap? Because Hamas's intention is to destroy all chances for future peace, it really counted on a very forceful Israeli uh, response. Again, I I think it should be clear that Israel has not just a right, it has a duty to defend its citizens. So Israel needs to disarm Hamas, but at the same time, um, should be clear that the war is not against the Palestinian people. Uh, uh, To fall into Hamas's trap, is to wage a war against all Palestinians in a way that will make any future reconciliation impossible. Why did God create war? Why does God create murder? Why does God create all the the horrific things we see in the news, school shootings? Why would God create a mind that acts in that way? Well, I think the, the traditional theistic answer to that is the free will defense. It's not that God created those things. He created free agents knowing that it was better to create free agents who had the ability to choose and therefore to choose to love him or not or love each other or not than it was to create puppets but with that decision to create free moral agents there was also the risk that people would use that freedom to exploit others how often does god get blamed by the people who claim not to believe in him for the evils that they themselves are responsible for that was joe rogan asking the question i'm surprised that he hasn't heard the answer to that sometimes you know i'll give people the answer and like that similar sort of answer and you hear them they they get the answer but they actually so they don't hear it and they just sort of, and then they'll ask it again. It might be six months or a year later. I mean, I was in a phone conversation when a fellow, a highly intelligent lecturer, actually, at one of the university, asked me the same question, and I answered it pretty much the same as that. You know, God doesn't want pu- puppets. He's created us with a free will. And within, I think we spoke for about an hour, and within that hour, uh, he had, it was as though he hadn't actually heard the answer to it. And just went, went, you know, backtrack down that same route. Why would God do? You know, well, it's all, it's just crazy. I don't seem to hear it. Anyway, that's what I think. Anyway, sixteen minutes past six. Thanks for joining me here at the Liberty NZ Breakfast. We're moving over now to the Epoch Times. We're looking at health, and the big 
Headline for them is Sexual monkeypox spread sparks outbreak concerns. As monkeypox cases swell in the Congo, the World Health Organization reports evidence of sexual transmission indicating viral evolution. The story by Amy Dunk. And as monkeypox continues its swell and spread across the democratic the Democratic, you've got to be joking, Republic of Congo. The World Health Organization is raising alarms, as they do, scaring everybody, of the possibility of an even more serious outbreak because of confirmed cases of sexual transmission, according to a recent report. Monkeypox is an infect- infectious disease caused by the monkeypox virus, so they say. But I think we will have, um, we might get a different spin on that when I hear back from Dr. Samuel Mark Bailey. Uh, anyway, they say this virus that brings on a painful rash and large nymph, lymph nodes and a fever. Between January 2023 and early November this year, over 12,500 people have been infected and around 581 deaths are estimated to have been caused by this so-called virus in, the, in that country alone. According to the WHO... Uh, This spike marks the highest number of monkeypox cases recorded in the country since the initial discovery of human-to-human transmission. Been hanging out with the monkeys. It's all right, you guys, you just go into town. I'll just stay here and look after the monkeys. (laughs) I don't know how they got it. Uh, Human-to-human transmission more than 50 years ago, doubling, yeah. So I say, I'll trap you, go ahead. I'll be right, I'll stay here and look after the animals. Um, doubling, Doubling the case counts from 2020. The drivers behind the swelling outbreak which is affecting men, women and children alike, remain uncertain, according to the World Health Organization. Globally, around 92,050 infections have been logged to date, with approximately 31,010 cases, approximately 10, uh, documented in the United States so far. Ooh, it's crept over here. Yucky. Uh, according to the U.S. Centers for Disease Control and Prevention, if you could believe them. Now, what is this monkeypox thing? Well, they say it's a viral illness caused by the monkeypox virus, a species of the uh, genus Orthopox, the Orthopox virus. Getting all complicated now. Two different glades or organisms exist, glade one and glade two. Oh, that's enlightening. Both can spread to household members and sexual partners. That's why it's important. <laughs> it's important to stay virgins, boys and girls, uh, until you get married and get, get them checked out. Boy, I get them checked out, man. I wouldn't go near. I wouldn't go near it. And one of the homeopaths, he said, <laughs> he said, a woman's. You know, I better not mention what the actual uh, thing. I better not say too much because it could be we might have young children up at this hour. I'm sure they would be up ready for school. Um, but anyway, no, I won't even go into it. I won't even go into it. Now, apparently. Uh, it, it spreads through direct contact with infectious skin lesions, bodily fluid and contaminated objects like clothing and linen, face-to-face, skin-to-skin, mouth-to-mouth, oral, vaginal, uh, anal, oh, I don't want to read all that, respiratory droplets apparently, and aerosol also pose a risk. Additionally, infected, is this too early for, are you guys having breakfast? Anyway, I'm, I will just leave it there because it's getting a bit, I'm just going to put me off my coffee, actually. It was first discovered in a Danish lab monkey in 1958, monkeypox infected humans as early as 1970. The first human case was reported in a nine-month-old boy in the Democratic uh, Republic of Congo. The recent global and international uh, outbreak began in last year. 
last year in 2020. And these, there's some related stories. I'm over at the theepochtimes.com. And what have they got here? The first case of sexually transmitted virulent monkeypox strain detected in Congo. That was on the 27th. That was just, that's the one I'm just come out now. Monkeypox cases surge in China. Infections in women reported back in September. Monkeypox is now an epidemic uh, in 11 out of 26 provinces in the Democratic Republic of Congo, meaning the virus is occurring regularly within the community. And uh, blah, 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 there it is there. But Dr. Robert Malone, he's got, he's got his take on it. He thinks it's more fear porn to get people vaccinated. Um, but I can't wait. Hopefully I'll hear back from Dr. Sam and Mark Bailey, New Zealand doctors. Of course, um, Dr. Sam is a co-author of the wonderful book Virus Mania. And I'll tell you what, you get past chapter three and you'll be, you'll be convinced that viruses don't exist. And uh, there's all sorts of other reasons why people present with similar symptoms. So that is that wee story. And uh, now moving over to Unheard. That's a new publication which I'm finding quite fascinating. We will have a look at the fake stream media here in New Zealand as well. And we've got Israel's war is about to escalate. This is a story by David Patrikarokas. Oh, gosh, that's a funny name, isn't it? Patrikarokas. Must be a Greek, I would think, with a name like that. He is the unheard foreign correspondent. And his latest book is called War in 140 Characters, How Social Media is Reshaping Conflict in the 21st Century. So I'll just get rid of this banner and then I'll give you a few paragraphs just to whet your appetite. And then you can go over to unheard, that's U-N-H-E-R-D, unheard.com. He says, as I look out over Lebanon from high up on Israel's northern border, I see undulating hills dappled with hedgerows and green bush that grows golden in the winter sun. Did I say grows? I meant glows. Uh, But this is far from idyllic. Lebanese Hezbollah have been firing into Israel since October the 7th. And it is from here that a regional, possibly an international war is likely to start. On the ground with the ceasefire extended for another two days. This could be that was yesterday this was written. Uh, so, yes, yes, yesterday. Uh, relations between Israel and Hamas seem to be progressing. The temporary truce, however, is just a plaster on a gangrenous wound. If Hamas releases all of its hostages, then its leverage evaporates and it has nothing to deter Israel from its assault. If Israel ceases military operations now, then its promise that Hamas will never again be able to launch another attack is just simply empty rhetoric. Neither its traumatized population, this is Israel's, nor its uh, desperate Prime Minister, Benjamin Netanyahu, will allow that. So the war continues, with Israel completing its operation in northern Gaza and turning to the south, and along with its horrific cost, the chances of border escalation will increase. But the war with Hamas has already expanded. Hezbollah are firing from the north, Syrians uh, Assyrians groups from the northeast and the Houthis from the Yemen in the south. And behind them all is Iran. Israel is now fighting a war on five fronts, but it's in the north that the greatest threat lies. What we've been experiencing on the northern border are a few kinds of Hezbollah approaches, says a source from the IDF's northern command. Number one, infiltration attempts on the border itself. 
two, using anti-tank missiles to target Israeli soldiers, outposts, tanks and armoured vehicles. Three, using aerial vehicles or drones. This did not really exist in the Lebanon War of 2006. The investment in aerial vehicles began in 2009. Hezbollah, they tell me, is targeting a narrow strip just a few kilometres from the border rather than city, uh, cities further south such as Haifa. But from, 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 uh, from that, we assess that the current decision of Hezbollah is not to escalate. But Hezbollah also needs to manage its optics. It cannot send decades railing against the Zionist oppression. Did I say cannot what? Oh, spend. I'm sorry. It cannot spend decades railing against the Zionist oppressor. And when you hear people say, oh, the Zionists, you know what they're really saying? They're saying the Jews. They are, they are anti-Semites. They hate the Jews. That's what they're really, that's the, they, it's just a hatred of the Jews when you hear them use this Zionist, you know, turning, turning the love of Zion, which is another term for Jerusalem, and the hope that the Israelis, the Jewish people rather, from all over the diaspora have had to return to the land of Israel, the homeland of King David, where there have been three kingdoms, Israeli kingdoms, the United Kingdom of Israel uh, in the last three and a half thousand years. And there's never been a Palestinian state. So anyway, so when you hear them say this is Zionist nonsense, it's just, they just hate God. These people are usually, um, although we started to get it now from some, from widow Christians that don't study their Bible properly and listen to too much uh, anti-God, uh, anti really, just uh, atheistic talk, just this hatred of Israeli, Israel. They're saying, oh, we don't, we don't, it's not that we don't like the Jews, it's just we don't like those Zionists. But what they're, what they're really doing is they're saying they hate the Jews. That's the truth of it. That's the spirit of it behind them. But here's, here's below. They also need to manage its optics. It cannot spend decades railing against the Zionist oppressor and then do nothing when it's at war with the group's supposed brethren in Hamas. Hezbollah has activated a few Palestinians from the refugee camps in Lebanon, I'm told, and there is cooperation when interests converge when their interests converge, the Hezbollah is using Palestinians to fire anti-tank missiles at us. Hassan Nasrallah, Hezbollah's leader, seemingly confirmed these assessments when he congratulated Hamas on its attack last month while stressing that he had no idea it was coming. The signal was clear. We had nothing to do with this beyond saving face. We don't want to get involved. But while 1914 is an overwrought analog analogy, here... With so many moving parts, escalation cannot be discounted, and beyond the trauma of October the 7th, many Israelis want action. The northern city of Kiryat Simona is a mile from the Lebanese border. Today, after local authorities ordered civilians to leave in the face of daily rocket attacks, it's almost deserted. One man who hasn't left is Moshi Peretz. He's 63, he owns a garage, he works with the IDF and local farmers, and he tells me an essential, he's an essential service provider. He said, I've been here for 58 years and I'm used to this sort of stuff. Sometimes Hezbollah would fire over 100 Katusha rockets in one day. Back then, we had to cram into small shelters. He continues, if we pass this problem on to our children, then we haven't achieved anything. We will have suffered 60 years for nothing. We can end it now and we must. 
we drive up into the mountains towards the border uh, through forests where IDF soldiers and tanks line the roads. At the summit stands a thick metal barrier. It's been erected to protect us from fire from Lebanon. I cannot film it. It's a new type of armour, I'm told. If I publish these photos, the enemy will be able to analyse its thickness and adjust its fire accordingly. The Hezbollah threat is incredibly potent. In 2019, US intelligence estimated the group had 150,000 projectiles in its arsenal, which includes Iranian Fateh-110 and Syrian M600 satellite-guided missiles, with a range of up to 186 miles, putting Tel Aviv in reach. Added to this, its anti-ship missiles, particularly the Iranian Nor and the Russian Yakunt, as well as 100,000 fighters. Nasrallah claimed to have, uh, that's what he had, he says, in 2021. A figure which, while almost certainly inflated, as they do, is not entirely divorced from reality. That said, Lebanon is also suffering its worst financial crisis in modern history. The last thing it needs is another war with Israel, especially since the one in 2006 brought such destruction to the country. And internally, Hezbollah is powerful right now. Why throw all that away? Meanwhile, the Houthis have launched several drone and missile attack against, attacks against Israel, a show of solidarity with the Palestinians, and a display of strength to its domestic audience. Though not as powerful as Hezbollah, the group has Iranian Quds 351 cruise missiles, which has been used against Saudi oil fields, and have a reported range of 1,650 kilometres. 1,650 kilometres. It also has the Iranian Tufan ballistic missile that has a range of up to 1,950 kilometres, though unlike the Iranian original, it's not a uh, precision-guided piece of equipment. Finally, the Houthis have a drone capability, notably the Samad MAV. While their missiles are slow and inaccurate, they could theoretically overwhelm Israel's drone, the Iron Dome rather, if launched in conjunction with Hamas and Hezbollah. Before October the 7th, the most missiles Israel has faced in, uh, was, in one day was 470 in May 2021. On October the 7th, it faced 5,220 minutes. Throw drones into the equation and the picture becomes disconcerting. That said, the Houthis' main fight is with Saudi Arabia. If it were to use all its weapons against Israel, the Saudis might sense opportunity and move in for the kill. In the end, though, the state that matters most is the one that stands behind Hamas, Hezbollah and the Houthis, Iran. Tehran based its regional strategy on a doctrine of forward defence that, loosely speaking, means using regional non-state terror groups to fight its opponents abroad and retain stability at home. Right now, Iran's proxies are well positioned around the borders of its two main regional rivals, Israel and Saudi Arabia, including a joint operation room with Hezbollah in the Golan Heights, which give it a degree of regional security. It seems unwise to risk. After Israel and the United States bombed its Revolutionary Guard, that was the base in Syria in October, Iran has shifted many of its missile production facilities to Lebanon. Ultimately, these proxies deter direct attacks from Israel. If if they are smashed, which will happen with escalation, the threat to Iran gets serious. 
But Iran has other options. The IRGC has recently set up two new proxies in Syria. The Afghan, it looks like Fatih Moyoin, oh, I don't know, and Pakistan. There's some other groups there as well. Most are stated, their, their stated goal is to destroy Israel. Funny that, isn't it? They're more anti-Semites. And the people say, oh, well, you know, the, the Arabs, they're Semitic as well. Yes, but uh, idiom dictates grammar. And right now, uh, when people say anti-Semite, they're referring to Jews, anti-Jew. That's what that one's about. Now, uh, so there we are. That's a very uh, interesting story. It does go on for a lot longer. Uh, so I'd advise you, well, I, I would advise you, I'd recommend you go to unheard, that's U-N-H-E-R-D dot com, and have a look at that story. The heading there is, uh, it's a very good publication, actually. Israel's war is about to escalate. A global conflict cannot be discounted by David Patrikarakis. There he is. Yeah, very good. And uh, I enjoyed finding out about that. I learnt quite a bit. Uh, when I come back, we'll go to Ray New Zealand and we'll have a look at New Zealand news. We'll also look at News Hub and also stuff. We'll check out the fake stream media here in New Zealand. I look white, dude. I look like I tell my mom to shut up. <laughs> I could never do that. I could never do that. I have a Cuban mom that escaped communism, okay? The only reason I know that is because she told me every morning. So I don't know how you woke up in the morning, but for me, it's good morning, Marcelo. Have a great day, but just remember, I free you. <laughs> She's a scary woman. In my house, you can't have a bad day. When your mom escapes communism, you can't have a bad day. You get home from school, you're like, Mom, I had a bad day at school. She's like, what happened? What happened that was so bad? Did somebody steal your freedom today? I don't understand. Uh, I, I, the expatriates from the communist countries, they're the best. The best people. That from Ben Shapiro. All right, we're over at Radio New Zealand, rnz.co.nz, and Christmas for the landlords. <laughs> CTU points to tax break budget blowout. The government's move to accelerate tax cuts for landlords means a blowout of about a billion dollars uh, over four years, according to the Council of Trade Unions. And uh, other top stories, disbelief as smoke-free generation slips away. <laughs> I think it's great. How dare it? I don't smoke. Oh, sometimes I do have a puff. But... Who's got the right to tell you what you can do and can't do with your own body? That's just outrageous. You know, and then later on, you've got, you'll, there'll be a 35-year-old, he'll be, he won't be allowed to smoke, and the 36-year-old will be allowed to smoke. It's just nuts. No, this is good. This is a good thing. We, we, uh, and I don't think there should be any, any uh, hate speech laws as well. Uh, I think that if people want to, to be anti-Semitic, talk about anti-Semitism online, good, good for you. Go for your life. That's all part of free speech, freedom of expression. I am a, probably the, one of the greatest supporters in New Zealand of Israel and the Jewish people because I believe what the Bible says. I just believe the words on the page, they actually have meanings, and I believe those words. I don't just believe part of it, which says the Jews will be scattered throughout the world. It also says they'll be um, gathered, that God will gather them and draw them back into the land, even in their unbelief. He'll gather them and draw them back into the land, and then he'll put a new heart in them, and they will come to have a knowledge of their Messiah, the true Messiah, which is, as the Bible says, the Lord Jesus Christ. That's his name when he returns. 
he'll sort things out and he'll also set up the temple for them and if the whole world will go to Jerusalem every year to worship the king, the king of kings and also it could actually may even put David on the throne there's a bit of debate on that but I certainly wouldn't get into a tangle with anyone over it now the detail, I'm not even sure what that is I think it's a I think it's a podcast, but you'll find it RNZ under disbelief as smoke-free generation slips away. Anti-smoking researchers are promising a fight against the new government's moves to repeal world-first legislation on tobacco sales. Absolute communist mumbo-jumbo, communist nuts, where they want to control every inch of your life, every little thing you do. If you want to have a smoke, go for your life. I didn't like the idea. In fact, you know what I did? Some of my staff, they wanted to, um, they were smokers. And they used to have to go and stand outside, out the back of the building, and have a cigarette. And I said to my brother, we're not doing this. We're going to build a smoking room for them. Oh, he said, it's illegal. I said, I don't care. I'm going to build a smoking room for them. Nice air conditioning, the best, beautiful place where people can go in there and they can have a cigar, they can have a cigarette if they want to. If it keeps them happy, because if they're happy, I'm happy. We're happy. And so I was going to actually build one. And I just couldn't believe it when they shut down the, the cigar bar. Um, it was um, it was on Parnell Road. They had another one down by the quay as well in Auckland. They shut them down. I just think they've got no right to tell you what to do with your body. If you want to have a drink, go for your life. If you want to if you want to put drugs in your body and be be an absolute idiot, I think it should you should be free to do that. I think they should de- decriminalise everything. And if you just want to be a nutcase and do stupid stuff like that, but what on earth is wrong? with having a cigarette if you want to. And who? how dare a government say what you can and can't do? And the other thing is they need to stop this. Um, I mean, there's so much money being made by cigarettes anyway with the government. They need to take all the taxes off it. If they're so, so well, this government's not against it anyway. Probably that's because they realise, hey, we actually make a lot of money out of, of tobacco. So we better keep, we're not going down that stupid communist track. So anyway, they are the, the opposition, you know, they, all the, the lefties, they're all up in arms. They want to control your life. And this, they're not really against anti-smoking. What they're against is you having freedom. And that's what they're against. Okay, now other headings, tears and recriminations as the Northern Regional Council chair is elected. Accusations, claims and counterclaims flew as the uh, as the. Comp- the complete takeover of Northern Regional Council by a right-leaning five-person majority elected farmer, Jeff Crawford, as chair. Yay! Well, let's hope that end, they end up in Northland. Uh, they've just come out with that new plan where 70, I think it's just about 70% of Northland won't, won't be farmable. You won't be able to run your stock on hills that are over a certain degree. I don't know whether someone said it was 35 degrees. I thought it was more than like 45 but they're going to stop you from farming on the hills. And they also want to have it so that the, um, any waterway, even just little streams that dry up in the summer, uh, but run partially run during the winter, <laughs> they want you to fence them 10 metres either side of that stream. So you might have a stream that's like one metre wide, and you've got to, you've got to block off 20 metres on your, either side of that stream. This is what they're pushing for. So let's hope that this new takeover, a right-leaning five-person majority elected farmer, Jeff Crawford. Let's hope there's some big changes with the regional council. I'm, I'm hoping I've got the right outfit. It could be the um, the other council, but I'm pretty sure that is the regional 
Council, the Northland Regional Council, they are the ones that do that. Tamahiri appeal, a false evidence uh, problematic according to the Court of Appeal. Uh, that's what they, were, they heard yesterday. Testimony from the notorious jailhouse snitch <laughs> should never have been put to the jury in the David Tamahiri. And that's John Tamahiri's brother, actually. He's been in jail for a long time. He was the first double murderer trial. Uh, that was the first double murderer trial. The Court of Appeals has been told. Uh, that was, uh, no, it wasn't the first double murderer, but it is in the first double murderer trial. So he shouldn't have been used, this um, this guy, the snitch. He was probably bad news. So it looks as though uh, Tamahiri was, uh, could may well have been innocent, David Tamahiri. And uh, so it could be a miscarriage of justice. Just as well we don't have hanging anymore, isn't it? He wouldn't be around to tell the story. But then they say, oh, well, um, that's if we get it wrong, that's all right. God will deal with it. <laughs> That's what they used to say back in the old days. Now, uh, sustainability, key focus uh, for consumers, firms, survey and business. Let's uh, just come up. I'll just do a quickly click, click on that to give you an idea of what I'm talking about. Consumers and corporations are looking for ways to take meaningful action on climate change, more rubbish, and sustainability. Two, these are three words that I can't stand. Climate, change, sustainability. Two studies suggest and a lot of these studies, are, you know, it's who is, who is paying them? Who's paying these, these people to write this rubbish? A report by Sustainable Business Network found sustainability was key focus for almost all organisations it interviewed, although second to profitability. Of course it should be. Profitability should be number one. It's amazing how the world heals, actually. The network conducted 30 interviews with senior executives at organisations that had an annual turnover of above $50 million. Meanwhile, a Westpac survey of more than 1,000 customers found nearly two-thirds who consider using an interest-free loan to make their home and transportation more energy efficient. It's just nuts. You don't, don't go down there. That electric car stuff, that is rubbish. You know how many young, little young kids they use in these mines to mine the stuff that make the batteries? It's the worst thing. Why don't we put our focus on, if you want to, you want to do something that's supposedly... Um, sustainable and um, environmentally friendly, why don't you just use water? What's wrong with hydrogen cars? (laughs) Honestly, I actually reckon just use good old, I mean, just get the petrol going. Get the petrol, get the diesel going. And I hope this government get a new Marston Point opened up. They could do with a fresh one, anyway, a new one. Everything's all new now these days. I bet you they'll be able to build a beautiful one. And we need to control that. And it cannot be sold off Richard Preble. Richard Preble with your Rogernomics, when you sold off all those wonderful assets that our forebears paid for with their taxes, and they did that for us, and then we went and sold it out in 1984. We started the selling, the privatisation, first of all. It's a global thing, international thing. That's what they did there. It's a way for the for the globalists to um, destroy a country, actually, take away its um, main assets. And they say, oh, it was because we're so in debt. We're in a lot more debt now than we were back then, so I don't buy it. And uh, that's me anyway. Getting, gosh, I'm very opinionated this morning. Um, it's 16 minutes to 7, and um, we were, okay, we'll, we'll just carry, <laughs> carry on, Grant. Oh, okay. Um, what else have we got here? We've got some Riti, that's um, the, the, the Member of Parliament, Riti, National Party. He defends the government's plans to scrap smoke-free legislation. And he's a doctor. Very clever doctor as well, though he wasn't very clever when it came to COVID, was he? Uh, New Zealand on air board member quits over the comments about Winston Peters. 
Now that's, I don't know if you remember, gosh, Andy Shaw, you've aged a bit. Oh, well, I suppose he looks all right. Um, I suppose I've aged a bit too, if you have a look at me. New Zealand On Air says board member Andrew Shaw. He used to do a kids' program, Andy Shaw. Uh, he was a kids' TV presenter. and he But he's resigned over a post that he made regarding Deputy Prime Minister Winston Peters. It said Shaw has also unreservedly apologised for comments made on LinkedIn about Peters. News Hub is reporting that Shaw's post said that Peters... Is said he's not truthful. This is what Shaw said. He's not truthful. That's true. That's true. He's not accurate. That's true. Um, he's malicious. And um, here he is on behalf of the international tobacco. His return is the worst thing, this gang of thugs. His return is worse. What? His return is the worst of okay of this gang of thugs. So he's obviously a leftist, and he's sure he doesn't like the idea of having uh, the um, the triune government that we've got at the moment with David Seymour, uh, well, with ACT, the ACT Party, uh, New Zealand First, good old Winston's back again. I don't know about good old, but he's back, uh, and uh, and we've got the new boy on the block from National, which is da- uh, Luxem. And so he's not very happy about that. Now, the post has since been taken down from LinkedIn, according to News Hub. And Shaw is responding to comments from Peters on Monday, during which he accused the state-funded media organisation of a lack of independence from the previous government. He said, Television New Zealand and Radio New Zealand were not truly independent. That's what um, Peters said. And uh, uh, could not defend the $55 million of bribery. This was a reference to the Public Interest Journalism Fund of three uh, over a three-year, it was more than fifty-five million. Actually, there was quite a few other million as well. Um, anyway, so that um, he's all upset about that. Peters made further comments at the new government's first cabinet meeting this afternoon. That was yesterday afternoon, advising journalists they should tell the public uh, what you signed up to and get the money. Rather, rather to get the money, it's called transparency. Okay, that's what Peter said. And you know what? I know. And and even um, Mike Hosking, I saw a clip yesterday um, with him, and he said Peter was wrong about that. It wasn't a bribe. You know, it was because uh, I know people that are inside um, uh, radio and television, <laughs> and they've told me that if they said anything negative about the government against the the um, the COVID vaccines, so called the jabs or anything that they weren't supposed to talk about they would have to pay back that money and that's why they were so frightened they didn't want to have to pay that money they didn't have it to pay back and that's why heads rolled that's why um, journalists were sacked reporters presenters got the boot because they didn't want to pay that back so the ceos had been bribed really to shut to silence everybody so that that labor could get their way so peters is right and, uh, Mike, I don't think you're up to date on that one. I don't think you're up to date. Okay, so that is Radio New Zealand, and we'll have a look at News Hub, although that report at Radio New Zealand came from News Hub. I'll be back in a minute. Why is it that when uh, one of the victims of the music festival, uh, a poor young German-Jewish girl, 
uh, who it seems was was raped and then uh, brutally uh, murdered and taken into the Gaza naked. Why was it that you can find, and anyone can find this online, uh, a crowd of ordinary Gazans, it wasn't uh, Hamas, it wasn't a Hamas rally, ordinary Gazans uh, uh, spitting on her body, uh, hitting her body, mutilating her body further as it went down the street. Does that strike you, Piers, as a uh, placid population of peacenik types who are just desperately waiting for a two-state solution to be put back on the table for the millionth time in the last 70-something years? It doesn't seem like that to me. No, but there are over two million people in Gaza, and there weren't two million people in that video clip. There were a few hundred. So I, I don't like to make... Yeah, well, a few hundred at random. A few hundred at random. And did you see anyone in it saying, hey, guys, stop? Yeah, OK, so that's uh, Douglas Murray there. What are we up to for time? Tw- it's uh, 12 minutes to, by the look of it. Yes, it is. 12 minutes to 7. TNT Radio News at 7. And I'm over on newshub.co.nz, and in health, the top story there... Uh, this is under, I think it's under, is it under, no, it's under live stream. I'll just click on home. Oh, no, we've got some other stories now. Oh, well, I'll just go back to that and we'll just read you some of the headings there. Uh, in health, we didn't see this coming. A fury from experts over the surprising government policy. I'm incredibly shocked and embarrassed for New Zealand. I think that's ready is to do with the smoke-free story there by Amanda Wade. And uh, so health experts are lining uh, they're lining up to slam coalitions, plans to scrap measures to cut uh, uh, the numbers of smokers, saying it will mean thousands more will die. Oh, yeah, more for scare tactic. Listen, if people want to do something, if they want to smoke a fag, let them do it. It's called freedom. Whether it's good for them or not. And you say, well, yes, but we have to pay for it in our taxes. Well, that's the price we all pay for living in a democracy, isn't it? That's the price we pay. Some people want to do that, and we all have to do... We, we do things that are dangerous. You might go motorcycle riding on the weekend and break your leg. We've got to pay for that out of our taxes for your ACC. So if you want to live in a democracy, if you want to live in a free country, then we have to allow people to be free, speak free, and do whatever they want to do, as long as they don't harm other people. And so if you want to live in a democracy, you're going to end up having to pay for some things that you don't want to have to pay for. That's the way it is. So the health experts, uh, they, they would have been certain ones that um, the, the leftists have they're, uh, got them on the payroll or something. I don't know whether they pay them. They probably do. Uh, or just they want, their, they want their bit of glory. Other stories here in health, just one date. Nurses who couldn't uh, take being rejected by colleague found guilty of, oh sorry, a nurse who couldn't, <laughs> oh that's that one where the guy wanted to sleep with his bird and he said no, a tribunal found that the man's conduct towards the colleague was highly unprofessional, blah blah blah, yes of course it was, doesn't really rate, doesn't really, shouldn't really be on the front page of the Herald because it's not really big news is it, can't go back to those times, pharmacists worried about burglaries, that they could surge with the pseudoethadrine uh, if it goes back on the shelves again. It comes after ACT leader David Seymour got his way in the coalition talks. More in health. Britain detects the first human case of flu strain similar to the pig virus. <laughs> they're, just doing, they're doing whatever they can to scare the crap out of us, aren't they? The first detective human case presents mild symptoms. Oh, blah, blah. A massive step backward, according to experts. Didn't we just read that about the cigarette smoking? And they've got a photograph there of a of a, of a cigarette that's burnt, burnt down to within about five millimeters of the of the butt. Uh, all just um, you know, just disgusting looking. They should have a nice 
it's a nice photograph of the Marlborough Man or something with his horse. <laughs> oh, I love that movie. Do you do you remember the one? Thank you for smoking. And it was oh, hilarious. Got to look it up. I might find one of the songs for that. Actually, I will. I'm going to put you on hold. Uh, I'll be back in a minute, and I'm going to find I'm going to find that, and we'll play it just for a laugh, shall we? Let's do that. Uh, let me go get back here. I'll be back in a minute. When I was a kid, my parents told me a story about two communists that were talking to one another. One said, let me ask you, if you had two houses, would you give me one? And the other said, of course, you're my fellow communists. Of course I give you one. If you had two cars, would you give me one? Yeah, why are you even asking? Of course I give you one. If you had two chickens, would you give me one? No. <laughs> why not? Well, I have two chickens. <laughs> Yep, it turs out that um, communism stops where your wallet starts. People, for instance, talk a lot these days and, and for many years and for good reasons about the suffering of hundreds of thousands of Palestinians who lost their homes in 1948. Mm. Few people know that as a result of the 1948 war, also hundreds of thousands of Jews lost their homes in retaliation for the war Uh, Jewish communities all over the Middle East, in Arab countries, in Egypt, in Iraq, in Yemen, in Syria, the largest group of people now living in Israel are Jews that were expelled as refugees as a result of the 1948 war. Now, does this justify what happened to the Palestinians? No. Does this justify the Israeli occupation and the mistreatment of Palestinians there? Absolutely not. And we shouldn't use historical injuries to justify more injuries. I really don't want to hear Allahu Akbar shouted again on my mm. streets. It's a war cry. The Hamas terrorists are shouting out. Okay, that's Douglas. We'll have you we'll put you on hold, Douglas, and we'll just. Uh, I just want to play this song. I just love it. I love it. I love the movie. I thought it was great. Seven minutes to seven. Here we go. Now I'm a feller with a heart of gold and the ways of a gentleman. I've been told the kind of a feller that wouldn't even harm a flea. But if me and a certain character met that guy that invented the cigarette, well, I'd murder that son of a gun in the first degree. Now it ain't cause that I don't smoke myself and I don't reckon that they hinder your health. You know, I've been smoking all of my life and I ain't dead yet. But nicotine slaves are all the same at a petting party or a poker game. Everything's gotta stop while they have that cigarette. Smoke, smoke, smoke that cigarette. Puff, puff, puff. And if you puff yourself to death, tell St. Peter at the Golden Gate that you just hate to make him wait. Gotta have another cigarette. Give the accordion player a cigarette, would you? Now, at a game of chance the other night, old Dame Fortune was a doing me right. You know, those kings and queens, they just kept on a coming round. I got a full and I bet it high, but my bluff didn't work with a certain guy. He just kept on a raising and a laying that money down. Now he'd raise me and I'd raise him. I sweated blood. I got a sink or swim. And we finally called and then he didn't raise the bet. I said, Ace is full, pal. How about you? He said, I'll tell you in a minute or two, but right now I gotta have a cigarette. Smoke, smoke, smoke that cigarette. And if you puff yourself to death, tell St. Peter at the Golden Gate that you just hate to make him wait. 
But you gotta have another cigarette It's a hybrid uptown fancy little dame. Now she says she loved me, and it seemed to me that things were just like they ought to be. So hand in hand, we strolled down Lover's Lane. She was oh so far from a chunk of ice, and our smooching party was a going real nice. So help me, had I think I'd have been there yet. But I give her a kiss and a little squeeze, and she said, uh, Ray, excuse me, please, but I just gotta have another cigarette. Tell St. Peter at the Golden Gate that you just hate to make him wait. But you gotta have another cigarette. You gotta have another cigarette. There we are. That's not the best one I've heard, actually. The one one by Tex, somebody. Tex Morton, is it? I think it's Tex Morton. That was the best one I think I've, I've just copied this one down but I don't know if I'll keep it I think there's better ones out there anyway um, we're coming up to news at TNT radio and uh, before we go to news with them uh, let's see if there's any local news here in New Zealand if I can just find my way back to where I was so I don't know what do you think do you think that um, people should be free to smoke if they want to smoke and uh, don't you agree with me that it's just a really just a just another infringement on our on our rights. As um, in a free society, we should be free to be able to do whatever we like. And even if it does cost the taxpayer money, with um, you know people ending up in hospital having lung cancer and all that sort of stuff. Listen, people get lung cancer that have never smoked a cigarette in their life. And I don't really think that tobacco smokers as bad as what they're trying to make out. I actually think, and I know people you might laugh at that, but I actually think it's more to do with the train. I mean, it probably doesn't help help. But I think there's other things that you could be doing that could cause you to have cancers. Um, and people, a lot of people, most people don't smoke now anyway. And yet the cancers are increasing. So, you know, I don't know. I, don't, I think it's more to do with uh, the food you're eating, the environment that you're in, maybe the sprays. Maybe and I, do, I definitely think that the pharmaceutical industry is high up on the list of um, being responsible for the cancers that we have. I think the childhood vaccines... Uh, would be one of the one of the worst offenders, and Steve Kirsch also agrees with me. He's uh, he's a man, Kirsch. That's K I R S C H. He writes about COVID mitigation policies, vaccine neurological diseases and conditions. He writes about corruption, censorship, and early treatments. Steve Kirsch says the data shows that vaccines are ruining the health of Americans and driving the epidemic of neurological conditions. He did a survey of over. I think 10,000 people. He's got currently 231,000 people that subscribe to his newsletter over at kirschsubstack.com. But he did a survey, I don't know when it was, not that long ago, I think, with 10,000 people. And out of that 10,000, 1,000 of them had never had a childhood vaccine and nor had the mother. And none of them had any neurological conditions, any allergies or chronic diseases. And there's never been a study outside of this one, this survey, this is just a survey, but there's never been a study done. They've promised to do them, 
to see what the effects of vaccines have on people, but they haven't done it. They don't want to do that because it will un- unearth the whole uh, rabbits, what would you call it? <laughs> it's a can of worms. And it would destroy the pharmaceutical industry, and rightly so. And, I, you know, the Bible says pharmakia, that's the Greek word where we get pharmacy from. It says it's sorcery. Okay, we're coming up to news uh, very shortly. What are we up to? Yep, it's 7 o'clock, and we've got TNT Radio News coming up right away. Okay, we'll be back shortly with some weather. Episodes at TNTradio.live. Now, TNT Radio News. For TNT Radio News, this is James O'Neill. The Argentine news outlet Infobee reported on Sunday, citing sources familiar with the details of the hostage agreement, that the jihadist terrorist organization Hamas does not know the location of some of the estimated 240 people abducted from Israel on October 7th, complicating the group's ability to negotiate for their release. The Qatari Prime Minister Sheikh Mohammed bin Althani appeared to verify that report on Sunday, telling the Financial Times that some of the hostages were missing, and that Hamas would allegedly use the time bought in a truce Israel agreed to in exchange for the release of hostages to find others they've allegedly lost. Qatar allows Hamas to maintain its political operations base in Doha, and has been helping Hamas communicate with the government of Israel and its allies. The whereabouts of the hostages not in direct Hamas custody remain unknown. Palestinian Islamic Jihad, a rival terrorist group, reportedly claimed to be keeping 30 of those hostages imprisoned. Negotiators are pushing Israel and Hamas to extend their current ceasefire beyond the fourth and final day originally agreed upon on Monday. Israel has stayed its hand in northern Gaza as Hamas terrorists have trickled out the release of hostages taken on October 7th in exchange for Palestinian criminals held in Israeli prisons. Elian Levy... A spokesperson for the Israeli government described what the next phase of this conflict will look like. And we want to see the second stage of that agreement uh, go into place to the extent that Hamas is interested to release more hostages. Uh, I've seen the reports that Hamas says that it can't locate all of them. That is, of course, horrific beyond measure and beyond comment. And we expect if Hamas is interested in extending that hostage release pause in exchange for an additional pause in the fighting to get the list of the names it is wanting uh, to release. Business, political and sporting leaders have signed a pledge saying no to anti-Semitism in Australia amid a 482% rise in incidents. The leaders said they were alarmed at the offensive language, vandalism and harassment at universities and Australian streets, as well as at landmarks including the Opera House, Flinders Street Station and Parliament. Anti-Semitism concerns have been aired recently amid pro-Palestinian protests that call for the destruction of Israel via chants such as from the river to the sea, Palestine will be free. Importing single-use vapes into Australia will be banned from January 1, 2024, as part of the federal government's effort to stop nicotine addiction in children. About one in seven teens and one in five young adults currently vape, according to the government's latest data from the first quarter of 2023. Strong evidence shows that young people who vape are about three times more likely to start tobacco smoking compared to those who have never vaped. President Biden reportedly issued an apology to several prominent Muslim American leaders after openly questioning the accuracy of the death toll figures from Gaza. Former Secretary of State Mike Pompeo. It's incomprehensible, Sean. I still doubt everything that Hamas says, including the death casualty figures that they have put forward. And we know this, too. 
Uh, those casualties that have taken place are a direct result of the terror, the barbaric terror that took place on October 7th. Uh, Israel had no intention of going into Gaza. Indeed, they left in 2006. They've only gone into Gaza now because they've got to do the thing that will protect the Israeli citizens in the years ahead. And so I can't for the life of me figure out why President Biden would apologize for doubting something that Hamas says. I don't believe a word they say. I don't believe them with respect to these hostages. Sean, I'm afraid they'll go back at it again, just just as the Iranians did. Right. We gave six billion dollars in ransom to the Iranian regime to get five Americans home. And there are now more than five Americans held by the Iranians today. Uh, we're only rewarding that bad behavior. It is a terrible situation. And we've got to make sure we punish not only Hamas, um, but that the Iranians are punished, too. If we don't do that, Sean, we'll still have missiles being fired at our soldiers all throughout the Middle East. And we'll have Americans under threat all across the world as well. This is a TNT Radio Encore. Want to be a part of the conversation? Then let us know on the TNT Radio interactive live chat room. At the TNT Shop has great gift ideas for your furry family member at TNTradio.live. I really don't want to hear Allah Akbar shouted again on my streets. It's a war cry. The Hamas terrorists are shouting Allah Akbar all the way through, all the way through, as they are using a shovel to decapitate a young man. With every blow of the shovel, they shout Allah Akbar. When they go in to rape and um, murder all these young women in a room, they're shouting Allah Akbar the whole time when they find a young woman hiding under a table, pretending to be dead, and they realize she's alive, and they begin killing her. They're shouting Allah Akbar all the time. And they're so elated. And they phone home. One disgusting young Hamas guy shouts, shouts from the phone of one of his victims, his father in Gaza, saying, I have killed with my own hands 10 Jews. Your son has killed 10 Jews. And the mother is put on the phone and they're all shouting Allah Akbar and they're so proud of him. Mm, Indescribable. That is why we don't want those people in our country. We cannot take them, these so-called refugees. We cannot have them in our country. They're just not suited for it. They teach them at the Gaza Elementary School to absolutely hate the Jews. And so, you know, if you've got that sort of mentality with people, we cannot take... Apparently, Canada's taking them. Uh, and it's the destruction of the West, isn't it? It's basically you're just importing a, an army of people that are going to eventually kill you. Uh, they breed quicker than we do, and uh, they will be a major problem, and it's already a major problem in Germany. And the leftists over there, they're still, you know, they're still nutty. Uh, Angela Merkel, she's completely ruined Germany. Uh, other countries... We're seeing a big a shift actually to the right at the moment. A lot of right-leaning politicians are being elected. And so hopefully um, for them that will change. Uh, otherwise the West will be just completely destroyed. Uh, but if you read your Bible, you know, you'll know that and you study um, uh, uh, prophecy, it looks, it looks to us that uh, the next world empire will be a European empire. So they've obviously got to get a handle on this whole Islamic invasion business. Uh, let's go over to weather and check out the extremes first of all. Napier Airport has 17.4 degrees right now at 7 minutes past 7. The lowest temperature is 4 degrees in Alexandra. Uh, the windiest place is still Castle Point, around about 48 kilometres of wind per hour. Blenheim is the wettest uh, with 3.2 millimetres of rain. It's uh, single digits in the bottom of the South Island there, Stewart Island 6, Invercargill and Dunedin are on 8 degrees, uh, although it's very warm over at the Chathams with 17 degrees. Back to Queenstown, 5 degrees, Timaru 10, along with Christchurch and Blenheim. Over on the west coast, France Joseph 11 and Westport 12. 
Nelson's on 15. Wellington is 10 degrees. Masterton warmer this morning, 11 degrees for you. Napier 16, Palmerston North 14 along with New Plymouth. And uh, Taupo and Rotorua both on 13 and and 12, uh, 12 degrees, Gisborne has 16 degrees, Hamilton 14, Tauranga 16, along with Auckland and Whangarei, and Kaitaia is sitting proudly on 11 degrees. Let's move across to Weather Watch with uh, our good friend Duncan. I think it's Duncan. Um, the, oh, I still haven't checked. I'm terrible. I was trying to find out who it was. It was Duncan somebody, anyway, my, my other friend who's involved in broadcasting. He told me they've got the best weather. They always had it. Um, but then the company that he was working for decided to go with Met Service for some reason, and that's a very, very, very dubious decision. Uh, we've got a southwesterly airflow. It eases over the country today with fronts clearing away to the northeast. High pressure in the Tasman Sea starts to move in. Uh, the situation for Northland, Auckland, Waikato and the Bay of Plenty. Cloudy areas, a few showers move on to Waikato, Auckland and perhaps the Bay of Plenty in the morning. Clearing in the afternoon with sunny areas increasing. Southwesterly winds, 19 to 23 degrees is the high. For the western North Island and the central North Island, showers clearing during the afternoon as winds tend southeast. Sunny areas develop after showers clear and more so in the west, uh, staying cloudier towards the eastern ranges, 15 to 18 for you. For the western North Island, rain in Wairarapa, it's going to spread north uh, in the morning with a southerly change, clearing from the late, uh, from the south late afternoon into the evening, 16 to 21 degrees for you. For Wellington, showers ease, clearing in the afternoon, uh, a few sunny spells break through. South to southeasterly winds die out later in the day, 14 to 16 degrees, top of the north uh, South Island, Marlborough and, and Nelson, a morning rain or showers, easing afternoon, clearing by evening. Southeasterlies tend easterly in the afternoon for Marlborough. Light winds tend northerly for Nelson, 14 to 17 degrees. For Canterbury, showers clear from the south during the morning. Sunny spells start to break through in the afternoon. Southwesterly winds swing around to the northeast in the evening, 14 to 21 degrees. For the west coast, sunny in Fiordland. Uh, and you're going to have some southerly winds, cloudy periods though, further north with a few showers. Light winds tend north to northwest in the afternoon, 17 to 19 degrees. And finally for Southland and Otago, morning showers clear, Southland and coastal Otago, then sunny spells increase. Central Otago becomes sunny in the morning, south to southwesterly winds fresh about the coast with 12 to 19 degrees your expected high today. I'll be back in a minute with some news. We'll see news from somewhere. Just gone 10 past 7. From beanies to carry bags and from shoes to caps, browse our shop now at tntradio.live. Oh, that was a bit quick. I'm not ready. Uh, okay, where will we go? Oh, we'll go to News Hub and we'll look at New Zealand news. Lawyer says Auckland University conducted a witch hunt against Dr. Susie Wiles. Double murderer David Tamahiri, he appeals his conviction. An absolute despair. Uh, armed offenders squad team leader frustrated at getting the delay in getting ambulances to the Al Noor Mosque and in environment, a high-profile Kiwi, he has a back plan to restore native forests and uh, more, well, first of all, you should stop all this planting pine trees. <laughs> We've got far too much, far too many pine trees. We need to be thinking a bit further ahead for our kids and not just planting them. I mean, in 20 years you can harvest them, I suppose, but uh, they, they just stuff up. They're, just, they're acidic and they wreck the soil. You can never... I don't know. Could you grow anything on it? Oh, I don't know. 
We people say, oh, you know, nothing grows under them, but I haven't found that. Uh, we had pines around one of our properties, and I actually milled them quite a few of them actually before we left that property. It would have been good if I got in and milled them all, cut them all down. That would have been good, but um, they're all gone now. Um, but I found that grass did grow quite well under them, and um, it didn't appear to stop the grass. I mean, gosh, it didn't appear to. So maybe they're not as bad uh, as acid-wise as people are making out. More Kiwis are putting Christmas on credit card as a cost of living bites, according to a survey. Uh, good news or bad news? Economists on when Reserve Bank could slash rates and food and drink here. That's the economy. Food and drink, just about there. Egg producers hoping for a cracking 2024 as prices finally descend. And what's going on with the chooks? What's going on with the feed? Something wrong with the feed. Are they putting something in the feed? They're just not producing like they used to. I remember once, when was it? When, like, three years ago when we first moved to this this farm. We've got just over 100 acres. We had I had 10 chooks. And I, admittedly, I got those second-hand ones, you know, the ones that they retire. Uh, they're battery hens, shavers, red shavers. They're lovely, very friendly, and they're nice. Actually, you should look at that movie. There's one out called The Life of Chickens or something like that. It's really funny. They interview all these really weirdo people that all around America who love chickens. And I thought, I think I'm getting a bit that way. I do love them. I like it. They get, they sort of crouch down and I go and pick them up. And, you know, I don't. I wouldn't kiss a chicken. I might get chicken pox. <laughs> anyway, they are nice. But anyway, what I was saying was, there's something happened after the, the COVID, uh, the um, pandemic. The chicken stopped laying. And I reckon it's in the feed. My son, and he agrees, actually. There's something in the feed. So I think you're going to have to start... We're going to have to start making our own feed somehow, maybe get some wheat and some corn or something like that, and maybe add some omega-3 to it and all the good stuff. But we've got to get away from the... I'm sure... I mean, if you went and asked me and say, oh, no, we're not doing anything, but I wonder if they are being paid. I wonder if some organisation within bureaucracy is saying, no, you need to add this to it because it'll, it's, it's to stop them from getting some virus or something. I wonder if they are. I must ask some questions. Maybe they've said, but you're not allowed to tell anyone you're doing it. I don't know. I mean, they add stuff to the bread. You know that? Yeah, they're adding some sort of folic acid or something. I don't know. I can't remember. But I do remember they are adding something to the bread. And some, some bakers and even some, you know, health people, healthy people, uh, they were, you know, up in arms about that. Didn't want that going on. But anyway, anyway, I was get back to my story about my chooks. And so we had these secondhand ones and they were retired and they were lovely, and I used to get six dozen a week out of, I think I had nine. Six dozen a week. Now I get one a day from three of them. And the little buggers, they're eating my feed, and I'm getting one egg a day. So I've got three chooks scoffing themselves with food. I'm going to actually start rationing it. I don't know, I think they need about 130 to 180 grams each. So I'm actually going to do that. I'm not going to. I put it in a feeder, and they just get in there. Just got their heads in, like you know, pigs around a trough, eat, scoffing away. And I'm getting one egg, and I don't think they're hiding them. Sometimes they'll do that. You know, you you think, I wonder where those eggs are, and then you you're in you know, in the garden or something in some hedges, and you find like 40 eggs, <laughs> all rotten. Oh, that's really annoying. But I don't think that's happening. I mean, the other thing it could be, it could be some rats that I've, maybe they've. Rats can really get away. They burrow in underneath, and uh, they'll just come out at night, and maybe they're scaring the chooks, and they sort of put them off the lay. I don't know. But I've got one laying, 
And then I had one that was laying earlier, a nice brown egg. Now I've got this sort of kind of a green-coloured egg, so that's a different type of bird that's laying that. It's quite a good-sized egg. Had some little ones there. They've all been laying intermittently, the three of them. Just the three, I got rid of them because they just couldn't afford them. Couldn't afford to keep these blimmin' things. Um, you know, well, I could afford, but why would I? I mean, it's just that everything's got to pay for itself. Even if I have a cat, although I wouldn't have a cat around here. I just shoot the birds. Uh, no, sorry, not birds, rats. I just um, I just you know, trap them. But um, they taste all right, I suppose. Um, <laughs> oh, gosh, the mind boggles. Uh, I had a friend, actually, that said, a Danish friend, and during the Second World War, he said we had to eat rats in Denmark. That's how bad it was. I suppose I suppose it's you know it's a mammal, isn't it? Apparently you can milk any mammal. I don't know, did you know that? You can milk any mammal. But uh, it's a bit difficult getting the bucket under a mouse, though. Uh, yes, yeah, so it's a bit hard. That's a mammal, but it is a bit difficult. Anyway, I'll come back to the news in a minute when I pull myself together. Pull yourself together. 16 minutes past seven. They thought they were CNN, and CNN was huge. CNN is the news. CNN is a gigantic corporation. They have a big building, a whole deal, giant sign. They didn't understand that this podcast is 10 times larger than them. And it was exposed during that whole thing, where they just made this terrible chess move. They just ran out in the middle with their king. That's how I found myself in the middle of all this. That's how I found myself having conversations with Peter McCullough and Robert Malone and a lot of other people, a lot of very intelligent people that weren't crazy. They weren't tinfoil hat conspiracy theorists or QAnon believers. They were just intelligent people that had looked at all the data and had said, I think we're being lied to. Joe Rogan there. Yeah, they took on Joe Rogan and he was bigger than they were. Okay, well, back to the eggs. So anyway, I, had, I was getting six dozen, six dozen eggs a week. And okay, it was costing you know a bit of money and feed, but um, when we were getting the eggs, it was getting so good that my business partner, who's in town, she's about oh, an hour away. Um, she actually, um, I said, "Come on, we got to, we can't be having all these eggs, you know, you know, eating eggs like it's going out of fashion." So we started a little business there, and um, it was doing really well selling these eggs. We're getting about six or seven dollars or something. I mean, a lot more now. Back then, it was you know, twenty twenty, it was about six or seven dollars for a dozen eggs, and they were good size eggs, and. Um, and that's all dried up now, so the business is, is all over. And it just sort of, just like, boom, something's gone on. And there's, there's no logical reason for it other than there's something in the food. And other people have been saying something similar. What, what have you found? I mean, have you got um, chickens? And how are they laying? Is it all okay? You could let me know on 0217324423. Send me your texts, probably. I won't be able to answer the phone now. Send us a text and uh, let me know what the secret is to... To um, I mean, I thought I was pretty good at it, um, but what is the secret? Is it the rats or something scaring them? Uh, do we? Uh, what is it? Is something wrong? Is it the food? I don't know. But there's something going on here. Here are the egg producers. They're hoping for a cracking, <laughs> if you pardon the pun, cracking 2024 season as the prices finally descend. I'll just move in on that story and see if there's a bit more to it. Doesn't really say egg producers. Oh, hang on. Got the only trouble with News Hub. They've got all these videos pop over it. I've just got to stop that from happening. Okay, this story by Monique Steele of Radio New Zealand. Egg producers are hoping prices have peaked and that the egg shortage of early 2023, it was well before then, will soon be a distant memory. The country's laying hen population is continuing to grow, meaning there should be more eggs in, in market. More eggs in market at a cheaper price. Eggs have been in short supply and expensive. It wasn't, wasn't this year, it was last year that we had all the short supply nonsense, or the year before even. 
since the start of the year when the ban on battery... Oh, yeah, there was that too. That's right, there was. They did that ban on caged hens. It came into effect. That's probably why I haven't been able to find any retired battery hens. Because <laughs> they're really good. They sort of know They know, they know what to do. They just sort of programmed, pre-programmed just to lay an egg <laughs> inside in the box where they're supposed to lay them. And then, oh, and then I had another trouble. I had flipping eggs. I mean, I might, I, sometimes I was going away for a day or two, and I'd come back and they'd eaten the eggs. So yet, so what happens is one will, one will start chipping away at them. Um, I don't know, gets jealous or something of someone else's eggs. What are you doing with those? And then they destroy the other egg. And then, mm, mm, it tastes good, doesn't it? A bit of yolk, a bit of white. Oh, this is good. Oh, man, this is real protein. So they start eating the eggs, don't they? And they teach the other ones. So you've basically got to cull them all. Uh, there are some ways, and someone did tell me how you can stop them doing it. You can put rubber eggs in and that sort of stuff. I have did all that, tried all that, tried all the other tricks they had. I mean, apart from when, as soon as they pop it out and it just rolls down and then tucks in underneath so they can't get to it, that's probably a pretty good, pretty good way of doing it. But I've got so many other jobs to do on this farm, I haven't really got time to do that at the moment, but I probably will do that because uh, I don't want that to happen because once they start eating those eggs, breaking through the shells, they start to teach the others and then it's a downward spiral and then you've got to get rid of the whole lot. Okay, so anyway, so that's the story. The Egg Producers Federation Executive Director Michael Brooks, he said that the layer hen population has grown from 3.4 million in February to 3.8 million and added there should be another 100,000 more by January next year. It had been a fairly brutal time for farmers making the costly switch, he said. But they had 10 years to do it, though. That's the thing you've got to remember. Woolworths, formerly Countdown, has uh, they're committed to selling only cage-free eggs. That's what they say. And it's north. I don't know if there's anything wrong. They sit there. They're all there together, popping out eggs. What's wrong with that? Uh, it is very expensive. No wonder. It's all. Oh, I don't know why they're doing it. Anyway, so that's the eggs. We'll do, I've done that one. There we are. We don't. I don't want to have egg on my face. <laughs> okay. High interest rates and inflation impact Black Friday spending. Apparently, according to um, who have we got here? Story by Adam Hollingworth. I used to go to school with the Hollingworth. I wonder if it's... I thought it was an Adam as well. What does he look like? Oh, it could be him. Hard to tell. They're all bald now, aren't they? All, most of the men. Uh, Black Friday shopping appears to have been brisk, but not frenzied. Oh, well, what about all the people... You know, one lady peed herself in the car park, couldn't, couldn't get out with the Black Friday. Remember that? She was stuck in a car, uh, in a uh, gridlock situation in the car park. And they were telling people to go out and do their shopping... Uh, take the bus well how are you going to manage all your shopping what do you, what do you do? <laughs> take the there wouldn't be enough room on the bus for when I go shopping Christmas shopping and others that I know and so it was late morning on Black Friday at Westfield's uh, new market it was kind of oh no I'm just going to go into some story by Adam there uh, so anyway so apparently it's um it's the interest rates and inflation that's having a bit of an impact uh, the uh, the uh, the people aren't too happy about that the cost of living um, oh, I just saw a, p- a picture there of, um, who was that, Judith Collins. I wonder what she has to say. Let me see if I can find it. Judith Collins says, We need to be a little bit less precious after Winston Peters attacks the media. <laughs> yeah, good on you, Judith. They've got to support each other. Election 23, Paula Bennett warns incoming Deputy Prime Minister may face uh, a, quite, a quite different, what is this? Better have a look at that. Uh, former, oh gosh, I wish they wouldn't put all these videos up. 
Gosh, you're a newspaper. Forget your videos. You don't even get the volume right, so you're hopeless. Former National Party MP Paula Bennett has warned the new incoming Deputy Prime Minister could face quite different challenges working with three coalition parties. Bennett was sworn in as Deputy Prime Minister on the 12th of December 2016 and served in the role in Bill English's government until they were ousted from the Parliament in 2017 by Winston Peters. He ousted them and <laughs> went, went with the Communists. Speaking on the panel on Wednesday, that's an AM show, Bennett said it was, po- it was possible that the role would be different to her time working in it because the newest appointee would have to work with three parties rather than one united caucus. Well, I think they look pretty pretty united at the moment. Act leader David Seymour has publicly made a play for the Deputy Prime Minister role. Is this old news? What am I doing? Oh, you idiot. What are we doing? Reading, that's a week old. Oh, forget it. Sorry about that. I don't know. That's the trouble when you look, you look somewhere you shouldn't. Let's get back to the front page so I'm not reading old news. Um, so what is the latest? Uh, all 41 trapped workers rescued from the collapsed Indian tunnel. Gosh, that's been going on for over a week. Let's go to rugby now. All Black Captain Kane, he urges a rethink of New Zealand rugby's overseas eligibility rule. Oh, oh OK. Yeah, I think I know what that means. I think I do. Maybe I'll just read the heading, just in case you don't. Uh, New Zealand Rugby, NZR, should reconsider its position of re- restricting players to represent the All Blacks while based abroad, says Captain Sam Kane. At present, any player wishing to earn test selection must be contracted to both the National Union by an extension, one of five Super Rugby franchises. While in theory, that rule should keep the best, brightest players in New Zealand. Look, they're still saying Aotearoa. Stop that, you naughty news hub. We've got a new government now. We've got the right wingers in although slightly, slightly, slightly right of centre, apparently. Uh, and you've got to stop all that Aotearoa nonsense, which is a blimmin' invention by Europeans anyway. Māori never called New Zealand Aotearoa, and it's just as it's more divisionary, uh, dreamt up by the globalists. They're doing it in every so-called indigenous country in the world, just trying to sow seeds of discourse. Uh, they want absolute anarchy. Uh, so that they can bring in their cashless society, they want they want they want us actually fighting in the streets, fighting with one another. That's what the communists want. Uh, that's what the globalists want. Of course, the globalists they don't care who's in power, whether it's the fascists, the Nazis, or the or the communists. They don't care what what your ideology is, so long as you do what they tell them to do. And I think you'll find that uh, Seymour and uh, David uh, yes David Seymour and uh, Lux and Christopher Luxon and Winston Peters will be. They'll be dancing the tune to the globalists. You can guarantee it. Okay, so anyway, that's about rugby. So anyway, they want that. So Sam Kane, good old Sam, he wants that to be um, loosened up a bit so we get the very best players. Okay, uh, let's go back to the homepage here on newshub.co.nz. It's 27 minutes past seven. And uh, more news. Claims the government move to accelerate landlord tax cuts will result in billion-dollar blowout. Um, let me check that one out. That's all. Got to get rid of all the videos first to even just read this silly story to you. Okay, the government's move to accelerate tax cuts for landlords means a blowout of about a billion dollars more over four years, according to the Council of Trade Unions, who are left-wing, you know, communists, and they can't stand this new government. <laughs> They'll be tearing their hair out. They'll be crying in their soup 
won't they? And it could also mean landlords are collecting a cheque from the government with no benefit to renters. Well, of course there's a benefit to rent. But these guys are halfwits. They've got no idea of how the economy works. That means the rent's not going to go up. If you if you hit landlords hard, that means there's going to be there's going to be some. A lot of them will get out of it, and a lot of them will just have, they just keep all. What happens is you're actually affecting people that can't afford you, uh, to rent. Those are the people you're actually affecting by coming down hard on landlords. Because what the communists were trying to do, and the glo- the globalist communists, that's what they are. They're trying to remove uh, private property from individuals, and they want it to be public private partnerships with land uh, buildings, landlords. They want the government to be the landlord. They want you to move into a smart city, move away from the country, move even away from the suburbs and live in a smart city, a 5, 10, 15 and 20 minute cities. Hamilton's got a 20 minute city planned. Every council in the country has signed up to the smart cities idea uh, under the guise of so-called sustainable development. Anyway, National has, uh, they, they said some of the details are yet to be considered by Cabinet and will not be made public until they're finalised. National Act Coalition Agreement states the government will restore, what about New Zealand First, will restore mortgage interest deductibility for rental property. So they should. It's a business. With a, I mean, you, you're getting paid the tax money. You know, they're paying you tax. So sh- surely if you, want, if, they, if you want them to pay tax, you've got to be fair about it, just like any business has to be able to claim an expense. So interest should be uh, tax deductible. But anyway, uh, this one, they say here that the mortgage interest tax deductibility, uh, deductibility for rental properties with a 60% deduction in 2023-24, 80% in 2024-2025, and 100% in 2025-26. So they're going to ease back into it so you can have a full 100% deduction of um, uh, interest. And, but they have to do it slowly, otherwise it'd just be too much. And so there we are. But you've got Craig Rennie. He is the CTU. That's the um, the Communist Party. <laughs> They're the lobby groups. Their policy director. He told Radio New Zealand it would mean an extra three billion dollars over four years staying in landlords' pockets. No, it's not. You, you dim dimwit. It's actually staying in the pockets of the renters because everything's handed on. So if landlords don't have extra expense, if they're able to keep their rents lower by claiming back interest on the loans, that will be that will actually filter through to the renters. So they've just got no idea of how business works. So it's, it's uh, hardly worth reading it. But you've got a leftist organisation here. The, um, all the media at the moment, the mainstream media, there needs to be a change out there. What we've got is uh, they're all being trained by a bunch of left-wing communists. And uh, so what do you produce? You produce left-wing communist news reporters. That's what we've got. Now, over in health here, uh, Shane Reetty, and uh, he says, uh, this is the heading, uh, health experts are furious over the government's plan to scrap the smoke-free measures. Uh, Health experts are lining up to slam the coalition's plans to scrap measures to cut the numbers of smokers. Uh, To me, it's just really about freedom, really freedom of expression, freedom of, um, you know, being able to do what you want. If you want to have a smoke, go and have a smoke. If it causes cancer, too bad. You know, if that's what you want to do, people know the risks. Oh, they say, yes, but you're, you're causing a burden on the taxpayer. Well, you live in a democracy. These, those are the, that's the price we pay for living in a democracy where people are free. Now, they're saying it means thousands more will die. See how they use the frightening tactics, scaring everybody? 
which will end up costing more. Yeah, well, it might cost more. They're also warning the plan to rely on smokers to fund tax cuts is damaging uh, international reputation. Well, that's rubbish. They do actually fund it all. The smokers fund everything. The tax they pay, it's something like, it's huge. I think it's 60% at least. You know, you buy, like if you, people go out and say, buy, like I think it's, I think when I used to smoke some Rollies back, you know, 10, 12, 13 years ago, uh, went through a little stage there, <laughs> six months or so, having a smoke. <laughs> a bit worried about something. Huh? Uh, I wonder what that was. Oh, wife kicking you Oh, it could have been, yeah. Anyway, um, it was about 60 bucks, I think it was, for a pack of 50 grams of tobacco. I couldn't afford to smoke them. I mean, I, was, I left with a shoot on my back, I tell you. Uh, oh, boy, they play for keeps, these sheilas. And uh, anyway, and I'm not the only one. I tell you what, there's, a, there's an actual war on men at the moment. And uh, if I, I, my advice to any young man is don't go near, don't go near them. Don't get involved in marriage. Just stay away. Just concentrate on your career or something. Keep the money for yourself. <laughs> They're expensive to run. And uh, oh, and the only good thing that came out of it, I've got two beautiful children, so there we are. There's always, there's always a silver lining to everything, isn't there? But wow, it was harrowing. But anyway, it was 60 bucks for a packet of 60, a pack, 60 grams, I think 50 grams. Now it's like, I think it's $130 or getting pretty close to it. And so, you know, who's making all that money? I mean, I've got a mate who sells tobacco to his mates. It's better than anything you can buy in the shops. And he, I think he charges a dollar a gram. So you can buy a pack of 50 50 grams of very nice tobacco, Virginia Blend. Very nice indeed. Very tasty, almost tempting to get back into it again because it's so nice. Uh, and that's $50. And he might charge, you know, $8 to send it in the package. When you get it, when it arrives in the mailbox, the whole mailbox is just like humming with um, beautiful aroma of tobacco. But um, anyway, so that's, it's just a phenomenal tax. And we do. We if smokers. I don't smoke now. I'm, I mean, if I would, I suppose, if someone had something special, nice cigar or something, or you know, really nice blend, of, I'd have a puff. But I wouldn't want to get back to smoking them all the time. Uh, it makes you cough anyway. And I'd be, you know, I cough enough as it is. I'm trying to do this radio program. Uh, but if I had, a, if I had cigarettes in the mix, oh gosh, no, that'd be a waste of time. But smokers do. They fund the whole jolly thing. With the tax they pay for the tobacco, so it's a it's a it's a it's a rubbish, it's a nonsense story there put out by people that just want to control what other people do. Uh, oh, we've got this. Here's Willie Jackson. He rejects claims from Winston Peters about the media bribery by the former government. Of course they were, and I know people. I know people that said, "Oh yeah, no, we couldn't." This, these are people that are now no longer in radio or television. Uh, we couldn't say anything that was against the government, especially about the the um, the Jabberoonie uh, rollout, the you know the fake pandemic. If we said anything, or even allowed any of our callers or you know or guests to talk about it, um, we were we, our job was on the line uh, because the the company, the media company, would have to pay the money back that they were loaned, were well, not loaned, given, given as a gift. It was so that's a bribe, isn't it? A bribe to shut you up. That's why all the media sang the same tune. They all sang out of the same hymn book. It certainly was a bribe. And, uh, you know, you've got to have rocks in your head if you didn't believe that. But good old, good old Willie Jackson, you racist mongrel. 
Uh, here, we, let's see what he says here. We'll play it. Several. It is six minutes away from seven o'clock. You're watching AM this morning. Great to have you with us. It yesterday, it was knives out again from the Deputy Prime Minister Winston Peters at the new government's first cabinet meeting, where he doubled down on his media bribery claims. The so-called that's because it's the truth, Ryan. Bribery is he's referring to is the fifty-five million dollar public interest journalism fund that was set up during COVID. It was more than that. That was just the beginning of it. Nineteen to help broadcasters, including the one that we work for. The fund plus all the advertising dollars from COVID. Yeah, you forget about that, don't you? Hundreds of millions of dollars in COVID advertising money. That if you didn't say the right things, you wouldn't get it. The government wouldn't get spent. We wouldn't be opening the checkbook near you. And uh, so they're all in damage control because if they admit that it was a bribe, if they admit it, and it was a bribe, if they admit it, what happens? <laughs> Their credibility just goes out the window. So they're all in damage control right now. came to an end in July this year, but it hasn't stopped old Winston Peters old. having a crack at the media. First five questions. So, Dana, you cannot depend $55 million of bribery. See the speed at which TVNZ and RNZ which are taxpayer owned, understand this new message. Are they independent? Well, that's not fascinating. I've never seen the evidence of that the last three years. Tell the public what you signed up to to get the money. This is called transparency. Okay. Appropriate, Mr. Luxon. Thank you. Right, ready to go? Labour MP and former broadcaster, Broadcasting Minister Willie Jackson is with us this morning. Morena, good morning. Morena, Morena, Ryan. Look at that, Morena. What did we sign up for? That's yeah, going to be a thing of the past. That will be a thing of the past. You guys. Uh, now, what's News Hub? What are they? Are they independent? Well, they can do what they like, I suppose. But i tell you what, you're losing a lot of people. People don't want to even listen to you because they're sick and tired of it. When people ring me up and they say Maureena or they say Kiora, I just say Rosella, back to you. Rosella, ring your toto because it means nothing to me. We speak English in this country. English is the language. And we don't have to have a referendum as to what our language is here. It's English always has been. And what are they speaking right now? Yeah, that you would consider bribery or corruption. <laughs> You know, well, what well, you know. protected by the Broadcasting Act anyway, but which is, uh, uh, I think it's 42 and 44 of the um, Broadcasting Act covers uh, broadcasters in terms of ministers interfering um, in New Zealand on air is protected. So everyone's pr protected. Oh. In terms of the uh, fund, I'm really proud of the fund. You know, we, we got some great results. I mean, are you saying the Ashburton Guardian were, were bribed, eh? Are you saying, mm -hmm. I think, we Otago Daily Times, we're talking about Māori TV, we're talking about um, a, a Pacific, we're talking about ethnic groups, regions. This was a time when, uh, as you guys said earlier, uh, many were really struggling and, and challenged us. And they said, you're going to give us a hand? You give all the financial institutions a, a hand? Uh, and we were reshaping the whole... How, how were they struggling? They could all work from home. There was, the people that were struggling were the small businesses, the butcher shops and the small businesses that were shut down, the markets, those sorts of things. The supermarkets were allowed to stay open and all the small businesses, they were shut down. Gyms were shut down. Small business was shut down. It was designed to shut down small businesses and make everybody shop uh, where the government wanted them to shop. They're talking absolute nonsense. And the media, they weren't affected by it at all. In fact, it was just an absolute infusion of funds. And it wasn't just this bribery fund. And it was a bribery. It was a bribe. Because people that I know on the inside, more than one, uh, they know, they're no longer there now. So he's, he's, um, he has to, if he admits that this has happened, they're in trouble, aren't they? They're, they're admitting that they've been taking bribes. And they certainly had. And the government can easily ride roughshod over in, any... Um, 
uh, any laws. Elite media landscape at the time, so I was really proud of the 55 million that was uh, allocated. Yes, you guys got some. And it was more than 55 million. It was more like nearly 70, plus all the advertising. RNZ got some and TVNZ, but I, look at what you what you put out. It was some of the best work that I've seen. I mean, hardly um, giving us an easy ride. You know, that's not what it was about. It's, it's about supporting local media and. Uh, I'm proud that uh, this government, Farfoy actually, Chris Farfoy is the one who actually... Uh, so why did they have to pay it back if they didn't sing and dance the tune of the government? They had to pay it back. That's what management were telling people that were working for the organisations, the media organisations. I can't go into details, but you can take it from me. They had, would have to pay that back if they said anything negative about the vaccine rollout, so-called vaccine, the fake jab, anything negative about the government's position on it. And so it was a bribe. And so all this nonsense here that we're hearing from Willie Jackson is is just absolute nonsense. Initiated it. And uh, I mean, the great stories, Tarito, cadets and all that, you would have seen them. I mean, it's been terrific. Did, did any minister you were aware of, or did you yourself ever lean on any reporters? <laughs> did you ever have yeah. any meetings <clears throat> with any reporters to talk about the things that they yeah. should be covering. I mean, the only person I you watch him lie. Look, he won't. He's not looking now. Look at look at his look at his body body language. Oh, you can't see it. <laughs> you have to go over to newshub.co. Oh, they're hopeless. Why don't you just stick to newspapers? You, you have, there's not enough volume. Get your volume right. Really wanted to lean on was you, but uh, <laughs> we couldn't uh, we couldn't get any. Uh, you know, couldn't couldn't get through those blockages. But of course not. You know, th- those uh, clauses are in. Uh, Many, many a true word spoken in Jess, Willie. Uh, for a reason, uh, Clause 42, Clause 44 of the um, uh, of the Broadcasting Act, Section 42, Section 44. However, um, I think all of that is in danger if you listen to the way Winston's talking. Well, yeah. yeah well, but, well, well, I mean, that is that is an open question, which, right. which we are going to put to Nicola Willis uh, later yeah. on this morning. But you know, in for example, uh, the ACT Party put out a press release asking whether you had ever met with journalists to agree to a framework or principles for reporting on the, the on treaty issues. Did you ever well, do so that? that's how mad the act lot are. You know, I remember that I went to a meeting that was, I was uh, invited to a meeting uh, by staff to just give a, 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 a view in terms of uh, broadcasting. They said, oh, Jackson's meeting to set up uh, a treaty principles meeting to make them all. So you didn't mention oh, the treaty principles? Well, well, I did at the start. I said, you know, I'm here to get you to all pledge your loyalty and love to the treaty. And they mm. all had a, had a... Many a true word spoken in jest, Mr. Jackson. Laugh, but Seymour, again, he, he goes down the conspiracy track too sometimes. Yeah. The Low- The guidelines, though, written in the document for the fund, this is from April 2021, state that you must actively promote the principles of participation and partnership and active protection under the Tiriti or Waitangi. Now, can you see how in an an environment, in a political environment, where we're debating co-governance, we're getting media entities to sign up to such a cause may look to some Mm. like you're buying a particular angle on coverage. Yeah, good on you, Ryan. I, I was as surprised as everyone when uh, NZ On Air came out with that. And good on them. I think they're trying to uh, basically roll out obligations in terms of the treaty, but it wasn't a direction from us. Man, I thought they might have 
they might have just gone a little bit far. I think they were just uh, trying to say, well, what do you think of the treaty? Would you, uh, how do you... He says, I think they've gone a little bit far. And then in the breath before that, he says, good on them. <laughs> you, you speak, you're a man that speak with forked tongue. You practice that day to day. I talk with uh, people who went for it because they gave me a call, and I said, "There's no instruction from us. Right. This is this is them doing their their own thing." And, and I said, "Is there a problem?" And, and guys like Mark Jennings, for instance, they said, "Oh no, we just said, we, you know, we we want to roll out Maori language stuff, or we we, we um, you know, there's some obligations in terms of partnership. They put that to them, and then they were funded. So I think they're overplaying uh, um, uh, the Winstons and others, right. making out that we, we didn't put it in. But, okay, we're fair enough. Bureau- we're talking about bureaucrats who said, oh, well, we want to have a, have a shot here. Totally. I, wouldn't but, have got, I wouldn't have gone that far. Okay, so so can you see how? Yeah, I, I mean, can. I can. Okay, I, so, I, I can. so is there I, a, was there a door left enough ajar that for Winston to walk through no, it? No, no, I mean, I mean, I've said to them, because they people came to me and I said, look, this is no instruction from us. Mm. This is New Zealand on air. Having a shot at, at being good treaty partners, good on them. Bureaucrats make their own decisions. That wasn't from us. And I, th- I was surprised as anyone, but I thought, oh, that, that might be a bit tricky. But it looked like yeah, everyone right. found their way around it. And, 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 and good on them. And they just said, well, this is, how, this is what the treaty means to us. Yeah. It means about learning the language. Have, have different entities taken it up? If of course they to, have. If you were to do the fund again... Would you make sure it was written in the law? Oh, no, well, you want to give them their independence, their opportunity. Yeah. And, and here's the thing. You look at you guys. I see, I see pre- presenters and broadcasters giving the language a go. I see that on TVNZ. I see that at, at RNZ. Good on you guys. That's, that's your way of saying, hey, we'll, we'll give this a shot. I mean, Winston has probably got a few complaints in terms of how some of you guys ignored Māori issues and, and Winston in the past. He's probably got a, a fair... Um, he's probably got a fair complaint there. But, but in, in, in terms of where you are now, I think that broadcasters have made a really good attempt, but you need to do more Māori stories, Ryan. You know, we've got to, we can't be just sort of... You know, picked out, picked up, and you know, right. here and there. Well, you've had a good crack this yeah. morning. Yeah, well, you only just got this is the first time for about five years. Oh, wasn't come it? off it. <laughs> been saying I, I, never... I, I, I can feel like Winston. <laughs> He's been saying I never get on, on the show, and I sent him receipts of requests. Uh, Willie, thank you for being here. Good to see you tonight. It's the late MP, former broadcasting minister, Willie Jackson. It's seven o'clock. It is, yes, and that must have been yesterday, I think, wasn't it? Well, what did you think of that? I just missed the last minute of it, but. But um, uh, it's uh, look, look. I think reading between the lines, there, I think he knows he knows damn well that the uh, the government, the the outgoing government, the communist uh, globalists, they did they did bribe them, and they gave them all that. Don't, you know, don't forget about the advertising money from the COVID pandemic. Don't forget about all that. And he he said he had he's going to have Nicola Willis on, didn't he? Did he say that or not? Uh, I can't wonder if I can find that. Mitch McCann, the latest on the aid heading for Gaza. Oh, no, don't give them any money. They'll just spend it on bullets and guns to fight against, to kill more Jews. Um, now, let's uh, keep on going, look at the trending stories. What world media is say- saying about the government smoking ban, the reversal on it, and um, Labour, let people drive on unsafe roads but didn't ban driving. Seymour on scrapping smoke-free laws. Uh, what does he say? Just have a quick look at that. At 15 minutes to 8, we'll have the TNT Radio News today. Previous government let people drive on unsafe roads but didn't ban driving. 
David Seymour on scrapping smoke-free legislation. I think it, I think it's good. It's probably one of the few things I agree with Seymour on. The regulation minister is defending the government's pr- uh, promised reversal of laws cracking down on smoking. National Act New Zealand First Coalition documents signed on Friday revealed the new government would appeal the Smoke-Free Environments and Regulated Product Amendments Act 2022. The law, which passed its third reading in the Parliament in December, including... Uh, what they call decot what is that? I've never read that word before. Oh, de-nicotine, is it nicotinization? <laughs> De-nicotization requirements. I've never heard of that before. Is that a real word? I'll copy it and I'll have a look at it later. Anyway, uh, a reduction, it's a requirements, a reduction in retail outlets allowed to sell tobacco, and a ban on smoking for future generations. That is outrageous. Like I said before, 35-year-olds, he's not going to be able to smoke, and a 36-year-old is going to be able to smoke. Um, He says, I don't buy the logic that if the government doesn't do something and people make choices, the government is responsible for those choices, David Seymour. He's the ACT Party leader. And I agree with that. Uh, Actually, the government allows us to do a huge number of things that are dangerous. The government, for example, hasn't banned driving cars, and the government maintains many unsafe roads at the moment. And uh, is the government going to fix them up? Health Coalition uh, Aotearoa, listen to this, Aotearoa co-chair Boyd Swinton said scrapping the laws was a major loss for public health and a huge win for tobacco industry. Um... But Seymour told AM the laws took away the whole idea that we can make our own choices. I agree with them. I agree. Recent study published in the Tobacco Control Journal found that the laws uh, would have saved the health system 1.3 billion years, but that's over 20 years, and also it is the smoker that ends up paying for it anyway in taxes. So we, I don't buy it either. So good on you. Oh, I'm very, very pleased about that. That's actually one of the few things that I'm a- absolutely happy about. I mean, I wasn't happy about having more uh, globalists in power, and it's yet to, it, we're yet to see re- really uh, Winston, whether he shows his true hand, whether he's a globalist or not, but we'll just have to watch and see, I suppose, over this term. Uh, so we've also got other stories here, new government accused of being hypercritical for having 28 ministers despite promising spending cuts uh, in Parliament. The key detail missing from the National New Zealand First Wool Agreement. Uh, big financial challenges. Wayne Brown in Auckland. He he is uh, he warns rates rises, j- uh, job cuts needed in a ten-year budget plan, and uh, the top stories would have to be you know that uh, that is the top stories there. Uh, let we'll go over if I can get this to read. Not having any six, much success with stuff at the moment. They've got, obviously got something wrong with their web page, but I'll be back in just a jiffy and I'll see if I can bring you some headlines from stuff. I think it's more accurate to say that the people in Gaza have been under the rule of a terrorist organisation, Hamas, that many of them would uh, dearly like to be rid of, that ordinary people in Palestine wanted better economic opportunities than they had, and they found Hamas has stood in their way. Hamas is a corrupt criminal racket. Like a lot of terrorist organisations, it is also a crime syndicate, because that's how it works. That's how the business of terrorism works. Because it's an expensive business. Of course. 
uh, you don't uh, necessarily get given all these weapons for free. Uh, so what Hamas does is it takes the aid that naive Western governments pour in uh, to the Palestinian people, steals it, sends it to uh, the high-end residences that its leadership occupy in Qatar, uh, and uh, dispenses the money on the reign of terror that it uh, maintains. Mm. It is uh, 10 minutes to 8, TNT Radio News at 8. We're over at stuff.co.nz, the unexpected cruise ship destination, expecting a bumper season. Uh, when you think of an idyllic destination to visit on the cruise ship, Bluff might not be top of the list. But ask the locals in Bluff, and they say there's plenty to do. A good story there by a uh, wonderful place, Bluff. And uh, you can have a look at that at, um, whoops, I'm slamming my mouse down, sorry about that, uh, stuff.co.nz. Now, a woman has been charged with causing, these are all just the headlines on, this, on, the, on the page at the moment, a woman's been charged with causing the crash that killed the lawyer. A 28-year-old woman has appeared in court after a state highway crash that killed Philip Watson. Invercargill Airport Terminal to be named Sir Tim Shadbolt. Uh, uh, sorry, to be it's probably the Tim Shabbat uh, Airport. It's named in his honour. Soon the building will bear the name Tim Shabbat, and it will Sir Tim. I didn't realise he'd be knighted. In the face of the man who championed an extension that created the country's third longest civilian runway, didn't know that. And uh, what other stories we've got? A ducks in Year Twelve. Blenheim lad does high school in four years. Lachlan McNabb will be the first. Chase uh, will first, or rather, he will first chase his Tour de France dream. So he's obviously a cyclist, and maybe then I'm a bit wasted up. Uh, oh gosh, I'm a bit washed up, and, and I'd like to be national as well. Apparently, the second largest solar farms proposed for the Mackenzie country, unlike the recently uh, rejected Balmoral Station solar proposal, farming has already destroyed the property's ecological value. The company says farming. Oh, nonsense. Uh, and we've got, what else have we got here? We've got um, a stunt performer sets a motorbike bungee record. Uh, we'll be able to have a look at that. Jump, looks like they've jumped out of a cable car or something. Uh, Robbie Madison is his name. He's a stunt performer. He set a new world record for the highest motorbike bungee jump at the Nevis, uh, yes, the, the Nevis Bungee in Queenstown on Tuesday. The Australian took... A 50cc, just a little baby one, isn't it? a little kid's one, motorcycle off the 134-metre high platform, free-falling for approximately 8.5 seconds in what was the first motorbike bungee attempt in Queenstown. <laughs> Madison, who is in the country to perform at the Freestyle Kings Tour, said that he lived for insane experiences. And that is him. There he is with his little bungee jumping off there. And so the crazy people... In the world, isn't there? I can't see the point of um, jumping off. I mean, I, I mean, I did go in a bungee. Actually, I went into one of those ones in Auckland there where you go up in the air. You should have seen. I was. I don't know. I actually. Was, I had a bit of a freak out. I was. I. Was, I, I didn't react the way I thought I'd react. I actually um, was not very happy. <laughs> I wasn't, the other guys, two guy on the side of me, they seemed all right. Young, young chaps. I was a bit older, and I don't know if I really enjoyed that. Anyway. Terror attack incident controller unaware of the second site safety concerns. Uh, these are the headings. Public sector job cuts may be uh, weighing on the Wellington house prices. Oh, yeah, they will do too. They will. If there's going to be job cuts, that would mean that would be. There's a podcast that you can have a look. It's called The Big Shock. And uh, the prospect of public se- sector job cuts may already be weighing in on Wellington property market. 
and there are predictions that the capital could be left behind in further price recovery next year. ANZ has revised its house price forecast for this year, expecting prices to fall 0.4% over 2023, rather than 0.2% rise its economists had expected earlier. It said house price growth was weaker than expected in October, and the indicators of sales and new listings show that more more softness to come. If momentum doesn't recover after the election, related dust has settled. The election dust settled, right? Our 2024 forecast is on thin ice for a downgrade too. That story there is by, that's the ANZ economist. Who would that be? Who's the ANZ economist? Did it say who it was? Didn't think it did. Just some unnamed economist for the ANZ, is it? Yeah, doesn't really say who it is. Uh, but that story is there, put together by Susan Edmonds. She's the Stuff Money editor. And you can find that over at Stuff That Wee Story there. Now, uh, what other stories have we got? Johnsonville Library to become uh, housing. Oh, there's a proposal to redevelop the site of the Johnsonville Library. But some aren't feasible, uh, council staff say. And you can read more at The Post. And that story is available through stuff as well. MPs face Greenfield's review in upcoming pay probe. MPs' pay has been frozen since 2017. And the man in charge of the pay review says everything is on the table. So that may change. $30 billion and rising to fix water woes. Wellington Water has issued a dire warning. It needs $30 billion to fix the region's pipes. But council says rates are already going through the roof. Rates for that people have to pay. And so uh, that uh, that uh, doesn't look like that's going to be fixed anytime soon. And here's something here from Kim Hill. She signs off. She says, Steve, you idiot, Kim Hill. Blowing out after decades of radio, Kim Hill's final show proved that really there's no uh, replacing the broadcasting behemoth. You can read more in the post, and you can find the link to that read at stuff.co.nz. Roads closed after an incident in Huangarei suburb. Police are responding to an incident near the northern suburb of Kamo, resulting in road closures. I'll see if I can give you anything more on that. That has just come through within the last few moments. And, uh, boy, I better not talk through the news. Uh, Police are responding to an incident. So it's not an accident. It's an incident, so that'll be some kind of a nasty thing. Let's have a look at that. See, be some criminals here in cars, some flipping idiots. Uh, incident near the northern suburb of Carmo, resulting in road closures in the area. Inspector Jason Homan confirmed a section of State Highway 1 near the northern suburb of Whangarei after an incident was reported about 4.45am. Ah, some people ram raid. There are concerns for a person's well-being. Police have closed both directions of State Highway 1 near the overbridge and traffic diversions are in place. Commuters should expect delays. So we don't know anything about that. Uh, but if I find out, I'm not going to find out now because it's just about the end of my lot. Um, oh, I hope it hasn't been too boring this morning. I, I got up very late, very late and I haven't really had a good skitter around. So um, I'll just do some refreshing and see if I can uh, find you some interesting new stories that will be all just sort of coming to light. Uh, so nothing's changed at Radio New Zealand. It's all the same. Christmas for landlords. The um, uh, the uh, the CTU. What's that? That's, that's the trade unions, isn't it? Yet yeah, they are. Um, well, the government's move to accelerate tax cuts for landlords means the blowout. Ah, oh, yes. Yeah, they just don't understand. Talking about that before, and a lot of people are in disbelief about the smoke-free. 
Uh, they want a smoke-free generation. They want to control what people do with their lives, know their business, what people do. Individuals should be free to, regardless of whether it costs the taxpayer money or not. That's the price we pay for living in a democracy. And uh, if you, I think if you actually did the figures and uh, found out where the money's coming from, it's coming from smokers themselves. They pay it in their, the cost of tobacco. So um, you can get over yourself on that one there. Uh, well, now, what else have we got? Any more stories? Um, well, we could go over to Sky News and see if they've got anything new over there. The headlines are bribed to change position. New evidence of the attempt to conceal COVID-19 origins have been revealed. A new Sky News Australia documentary reveals further evidence of the orchestrated effort to push the narrative that COVID-19 had natural origins despite intelligence officials saying it most likely leaked out of the Wuhan Institute of Virology. And if you go to Dr. Sam Bailey, she doesn't believe any of this nonsense. She thinks that's all a load of rubbish. Um, Okay, we've got news coming up very soon. Gosh, that's early for some reason. Here we are. Here's the news uh, coming up right now. I will be back with the weather in just a moment. TNT Radio News. For TNT Radio News, this is James O'Neill. Negotiators are pushing Israel and Hamas to extend their current ceasefire beyond the fourth and final day originally agreed upon on Monday. Israel has stayed its hand in northern Gaza as Hamas terrorists have trickled out the release of hostages taken on October 7th in exchange for Palestinian criminals held in Israeli prisons. Elian Levy, a spokesperson for the Israeli government, described what the next phase of this conflict will look like. And we want to see the second stage of that agreement uh, go into place to the extent that Hamas is interested to release more hostages. Uh, I've seen the reports that Hamas says that it can't locate all of them. That is, of course, horrific beyond measure and beyond comment. And we expect if Hamas is interested in extending that hostage release pause in exchange for an additional pause in the fighting to get the list of the names it is wanting uh, to release. The French government has issued a plea against vigilantism in the wake of the slaying of a teenager in rural France by a group reported to have shouted, stab white people. Representative of Emmanuel Macron's French government has now visited the rural community of Crepol, where over a week ago a gang of outsiders raided the annual village dance and stabbed several people, killing 16-year-old Thomas. It is reported witnesses heard the attackers say, we are here to stab white people. In remarks that followed not only the attack, but which appear to have been more aimed at the reaction among the public to the brutal attack, government spokesman Olivier Veron said the state shared the pain of those impacted, but warned people should not be tempted to take the law into their own hands. Veron said it was for the judiciary to dispense justice, not the French people, and that there was a risk of society reaching a tipping point over the attack in response. He said, can't stand these violent gangs anymore? We neither. What cost Thomas his life was neither a news item nor a brawl. There's a risk of our society tipping over if we're not up to the task. We do not respond to violence with violence, but with justice. Two Chinese fighter jets were monitored orbiting a Philippine aircraft, participating in patrols with Australia in the South China Sea, but did not cause any untoward incident, Manila said on Sunday. China's foreign ministry said Monday it was unaware of the circumstances. The militaries of the Philippines and Australia carried out a second day of sea and air exercises in the Southeast Asian country's exclusive economic zone. Days after Manila held patrols with the United States, has Pacific nations warily eye an increasingly aggressive Chinese regime. Somali pirates are to blame for a raid on a tanker vessel in the Gulf of Aden on Sunday, according to initial U.S. military assessments. A group of at least five attackers boarded a Liberian flag vessel, the Central Park, on Sunday evening. 
The destroyer USS Mason was the first to respond to a distress call from the tanker vessel on Sunday, and a visit board search and seizure team assigned to the U.S. warship managed to secure the tanker vessel and detain the suspected attackers as they attempted to flee the scene on a small boat. U.S. Central Command, the military command responsible for U.S. forces in the Middle East, did not immediately identify the maritime attackers when it first announced that a U.S. warship had foiled the high seas hijacking effort. Constitutional law professor Jonathan Turley provides analysis of former President Trump's civil fraud trial as it's set to resume. And the question for many is why? You know, no one lost money here. The banks didn't file. They made money. Uh, but you have this law that James is using that doesn't require anyone to lose money. She's asking for $250 million uh, because she says that the properties were either overvalued or undervalued. Well, that's a, that's a long-standing practice in New York. It's not a good practice, but you don't have people using this nuclear option. But you have to keep Keep in mind, Brian, previously Attorney General James sought to disband the NRA uh, to, to destroy it as an organization. Uh, so there's a certain pattern here uh, which is troubling. Anticipate potential delays for the morning commute. In other news, a recent government report on prescription drug pricing points to corporate mouth. Freedom of the press is about your right to know. It's about your right to be informed. Your right to access all types of information keeps us free as a nation. No, 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 no. Today, there are real threats to press freedom. And your right to know about the world around us. Some threats are obvious, some are easy to miss, but they all put our way of life at risk. We must defend against all of these threats, no matter what kind of news is important to you. Justified putting American troops in harm's way. That's a great question. We must protect our right to know before it's too late. Understand the threats. Protectpressfreedom.org. Okay, five past uh, five past eight. Good morning. It's uh, Grant Edwards here with the Liberty NZ uh, broadcast. We are just about coming to the end of it now, but we'll go and have a look at the weather, see what's happening. I hope my, you can hear me. Oh, yes, you can. Uh, uh, Gisborne, the highest temperature right now. These are the extremes. Gisborne, 17.9. Uh, Nugget Point has the lowest temperature, 6.4 degrees. Wellington is the windiest place to be in Lyle Bay, 31 kilometres of wind. So it's dropped off a bit, wee bit around the country. Blenheim is the wettest, just three millimetres of rain there in Blenheim. That's the top of the north, uh, top of the South Island. There we are, lovely place, Blenheim. The short forecast in the west from north into Wanganui, also for the Coromandel, the Bay of Plenty and Taupo. Partly cloudy with isolated showers clearing for most this afternoon, but a few showers returning to the Bay of Plenty and Taupo this evening. For Taramanui to Ta... Taramanui. All right then, all right, I'll do your marry thing. Taramanui to Taihapi. A cloudy periods and a few showers. Gisborne, Hawke's Bay, cloud with uh, showers spreading north this morning and then easing this afternoon with fine breaks developing. From Manawatu to Wellington, including Wairarapa, showers clearing late morning and afternoon and then partly cloudy. For Marlborough, Nelson, Buller and Westland, scattered showers mainly inland this afternoon. For Canterbury, isolated showers becoming confined inland this afternoon and fire spells increasing elsewhere. For Otago, south into Fiordland, showers becoming confined to the south coast this morning and afternoon and becoming fine elsewhere. And finally, for the Chathams, showers turning to rain this morning and then clearing towards the afternoon. Well, thank you very much for joining me at 7 past 8 and I look forward to your company again tomorrow morning, Lord willing, at 5 o'clock. March 1799, Palestine. 
General Napoleon Bonaparte's French troops take the city of Jaffa in a bloody assault. That evening, French troops slaughter and pillage without mercy. An army doctor wrote, Soldiers cut the throats of men and women, the old and young, Christians and Turks. Over the next few days, 3,000 Ottoman prisoners who'd been promised their lives were taken to the beach and massacred. French soldiers used bayonets to save ammunition. Napoleon's defence? He could not spare the men to guard so many prisoners. Some had been captured before and broken oaths not to fight France again. He could not feed them. There was no formal concept of war crimes in the 18th century, but Napoleon's orders at Jaffa were a lingering stain on his reputation, vigorously exploited by his enemies. Just relax and listen to the radio. What, what country is this? You're listening to Country Reflections.